Hey everybody, happy 9999 and welcome to episode 333 of Vigigame Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparas. Who else is here in the mystical, magical, your name here? Go to patreon.com slash laser time to find out more about that studio with me. The breakout ghost, the host with the most, Matthew Allen. Wow. And special guest. Hi, I'm Heidi Kemps. Hi, Heidi Kemps. Hello. Hi. You're, among other things, a Dreamcast expert. I'm a giant Sega nerd. This week is the 20th anniversary of the Dreamcast, which is probably the last console that I had any lasting nostalgia for. Like, I think everything after that is just like, yes, this is a lovely machine that plays games, but I feel no affection for it beyond that. But I still, still get a little misty-eyed every time I hear this. So good. So uh, good. Yeah. You're not going to, you didn't know nostalgia for the Wii at all? No. Really? None. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. So obviously, a lot of people in games really have a lot of high affection for the Dreamcast. And mm. I was trying to, trying to figure out why. And I have a couple different theories. Number one, and Michael, you and I both kind of went through the same thing. I think part of it is because we were able to buy so many games for so cheap because of the fire sale that occurred yeah. once, once the platform, once they had basically said this thing is dead, we're that, no that longer is, supporting that it. That is one of it. And actually, in tribute to the Dreamcast, I would like this podcast to reflect the Dreamcast life cycle. Okay, that's all the time we have. Let's go out with some plugs. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Heidi, where can people see your work? <laughs> Dreamcast isn't dead. What? Oh, shocking twist. My other theory is this might be the most Japanese console ever created. This is like truly Sega Swan Song. I was just... Just even things down to that sound and stuff like the the thought put into things like the menus and all that. Like I I actually... Man, I hate to admit this. I sold my Dreamcast not too long ago and i was testing it out to make sure it worked and so i booted it up and just that menu and everything and like i was kind of going through my mm-hmm. memory blocks uh my memory card blocks and it just it all came rushing back to me and i was like this is really cool i think i even put in the internet dvd that they had to to run the or the cd actually yeah to, no, to there, there, there were gd roms <laughs> yeah we weren't on to dvds yet yeah. And in fact, if you look back at Dreamcast coverage, you'll notice that a lot of it is pretty embarrassing. In the cutthroat video game industry, one word seems to be all-powerful. The graphics, graphics, the graphics, better graphics means it's more realistic. And embattled Sega's new Dreamcast video game console is graphically better. The first home unit able to handle 128 computer bits of data at once. Twice as much as the Sony PlayStation and Nintendo 64 machines that dominate the $12 billion a year U.S. video game market. 60 frames a second, which is twice the speed of a TV. It equals graphics Uh, you've never seen before. (laughs) When you watch a football game, it looks like you're watching a real game on TV. Future music, Heidi, from the future. <laughs> okay. Wait, if 60 frames per second is twice the speed of the TV, uh-huh. you would not be able to recognize any no. of the frames. Wait a minute. <laughs> and also, if that dude sounded British, so aren't they on like 20 hertz? So wouldn't it be three times the speed of his TV? I don't saying? know. Uh, but yeah, that... <laughs> That, that is a, from a CNN report on Dreamcast, where they go out and interview a bunch of talking heads. Wait, you mean the mainstream news covered games in an awkward, weird way? I know, right? You wouldn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> the Dreamcast was a really cool machine at the time. It mm-hmm. had probably one of the biggest 
launches of, yeah. of any machine at its time. It was super well, hype. I, I would argue that the Dreamcast launch kind of set the stage for every video game launch after that. Mm. Because uh, up until that point, like, it was more of a case of, okay, this thing might be rolling out in your area around this time period. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. But for Dreamcast, it was like months and months of advertising leading up to nine nine ninety nine. Yeah, they and set a street date. Yeah, they set up they, that which. Yeah, even I'm thinking like the N64. I just remember the general month it was released, but you had to keep checking, like calling your local retailer and mm-hmm. bothering. And them. then one day it was just suddenly there as yeah. a demo yeah. unit, and like, when can I buy this? Yeah. Oh, we got we got some units in uh, yesterday, but they're all sold out. You might, might have more in in two weeks. Yeah, try back. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Uh, but yeah, but it was it was also like this weird, really strange era of like this was the last really experimental game console. Yeah, it, 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 until like Wii, I guess. But still. it was very much. I think one of the one of its downfalls it was sort of ahead of its time and I know that's a cliche but but it was like if you think of a lot of the elements um that are pretty common in gaming today Dreamcast was the first home console to do a lot of those things so um I mean the controller itself while super weird looking mm-hmm. uh had the dual triggers on the back yep. which is like every controller has to have that now uh it was the first online home console that mass you know had mass appeal uh, maybe someone else was experimenting before like don't talk to me about fucking Satellaview. i don't want to hear that shit but mm-hmm. but yeah i mean this is the thing it literally came with that on on board yeah, the uh, modem modem and, and yeah that was i remember reading things about like somebody one of the the designers like had to really fight for the modem because it added like fifty dollars to the cost yeah. of the unit yeah it had menus when you booted it like if you just booted it up without anything in it there was mm-hmm. like menus you could browse in there so it almost it had its own os you know like yes. this dreamcast well it was, it was built on windows ce mm-hmm. that's yeah. right that's right yeah, I yeah, remember, yeah, that. I remember? So weird and, and, and then one of the other experimental things it had um dual screen gaming yeah it was one of the first instances <laughs> of dual screen gaming thanks to the VMU, yes. which is another oddity about this machine, the memory cards for the Dreamcast were basically tiny Game Boys yeah. with slow refresh LCD screens, and uh, you could plug them in. They would be like second screens on the controllers with some games showing like health gauges or inventory or whatever, and then you could also use them independently. A lot of games had mini games that you could download onto them and take it with you and and play them. And these are actually what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, should, oh. real, real quick, you, you just passed over it as if people know. We should talk a little bit about the VMU. Yeah, uh, so, so v, I, VMU, I thought I did, but okay. No, I, well, I mean, just like, you know, so the VMU itself, um, mm. it's what does it stand for? Visual Memory Unit. Ah, yes. Um, and so in addition to having that little tiny LCD screen on there, which when we talk tiny, yeah. we're talking... Um, God, what was the what was the resolution of that screen? It was better not to think about. It, it. was really really low. <laughs> Probably something like twenty four by six. It, it, it was. I mean, you're not too far off there. Um, and then it had. If you think the Switch D pads are bad, or the, mm-hmm. the little tiny uh, oh, using yeah, yeah, using yeah. this this the Switch controllers, uh, boy, you should try using the controls on a VMU because it did have a little tiny uh, D pad. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it had little tiny A and B buttons that were mm-hmm. super mushy and oh, awful. Yeah. Very mushy. Very unresponsive. Yeah. Uh, the thing ran on two basically watch batteries that would it would go through in like <laughs> the space of a, like a couple weeks. Yeah. And, and oh, yeah. I. 
in preparation for this, I went out and I resurrected some of my VMUs with those watch batteries, and a six-pack still goes for about 20 bucks. Yeah, they're so, expensive batteries. Yeah. Um, and then what was cool, though, every controller actually had two slots. You remember this? There were mm-hmm. two VMU yes. slots. Uh, yeah. And what I eventually ended up doing, um, they, eventually, because the, the VMU didn't have a ton of memory on it. It, mm-hmm. it, it was like, it was like 128 kilobytes, yeah, uh, which yeah. translated into 200 blocks. Right. But then eventually Sega and some third-party people came out with a 4X which mm. was a VMU that did not have the screen, right. but had a little toggle button on the top or the back, I think for some third party, that you could change between pages of blocks. So it was basically, I think it was it was spoofing the system into thinking there were four different VMUs to choose from. And I, I did get one of those, and it was like, it was like when you plug external storage into your PlayStation 4 or your Xbox One. It's just mm. like, oh my god, I have so much memory. I can save so many games now. Because up until that point, you were like juggling, like, all right, do I really need to save this? Am I really going to play this game again, or can I delete this old save file? Like, it's well, so weird. Didn't stuff like uh, Fantasy Star Online basically eat up the entire VMU? Yes, Less yeah. than you would think. I was looking at it and it's just like, okay, I have a couple of Fantasy Star Online and Fantasy Star Online V2 saves, and mm. they were, I think, in the realm of like 12 blocks each. Mm. What what would really eat up a lot of space? Well, like Shenmue, I noticed, like yes. was, is eighty blocks. Shenmue had its own page on my forex. Yeah, and uh, and the the mini games that you would download onto yeah. them tended to take uh, generally in the neighborhood of like hundred and twenty blocks. So you, if you wanted to actually play one of these, you had to clear a lot of space, or you had to buy a bunch of VMUs like I did, so that I could just move things around onto them. And uh, like a heathen. I only had one plugged into my main controller at any time, thank you, because I had a rumble pack that I stuck in the other slot. That was another thing. <laughs> oh, like the, They were expansion slots that could uh, allow for a bunch of different things to be plugged yeah. in. Yeah, one one of the third-party uh, VMUs had a rumble option. Where mm-hmm, you, you could mm-hmm. either be a memory unit or rumble. You could not do both simultaneously. <laughs> I, By the way, I found the dimensions on the display. You guys ready for this? Yeah. You know, people talk about, you're talking about your 720Ps, you're talking about your 1080Ps, your 4Ks. We're talking 48 by 32 dots, baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's And then one channel sound. Yeah. Like, just little beeps. Was beep, it like beep. two frames a second refresh rate, something oh, like that? It was really, really bad. Oh, man. Like, the Dreamcast also had, like, a really memorable but weird ad campaign and like this this commercial has not left my head in more than 20 years Yeah, that tagline always like it's thinking. All of the, all of the ads would be like zooming inside the Dreamcast and like, look, all these game characters are having a party or arguing over food or whatever. But like, this was um, who's the sumo from Virtual Fighter Three? Takarashi. Yeah, Takarashi and Gary the Glove Payton, a player on the Seattle Supersonics at the time. Yes, rapping with each other while Sonic is DJing, and then just Sonic just starts thinking about his game and goes berserk and tails falls over while dancing. Uh, so it's great. It's great. But uh, I, I love the it's thinking line. And mm-hmm. then only 
a short time later, people wouldn't even think about that when their Xbox Ones were listening in on them with their <laughs> connects, where, where their console literally was thinking yeah. and listening. Well, the thing is, like, its thinking is also a double-edged comment, because on the one hand, it's like, oh, it's super smart, it's thinking. On the other hand, like, it's taking forever to yeah. load, it's thinking. There's an hourglass <laughs> symbol just rotating. Oh, man, that that's memories of, like, Apple II print shop right there. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Apple II, did, Apple had the weird pinwheel thing when it was thinking sometimes too like the multicolored mm. ball that well, would just it still spin. has that yes it still yeah, has that oh, yeah yeah pretty used to seeing those <laughs> but e- even at its launch at its big successful launch uh, CNN had to be a little bit pessimistic about it it's really smooth I didn't see any errors Sega's errors as a company though have been well documented its last home console flopped and it's seen its market share plummet from more than 50% to about 1% can Dreamcast end Sega's nightmare <laughs> but but clever wordplay in that bit. Can Dreamcast end Sega's nightmare? As we hinted at at the beginning, we're like, oh, we're going to do a, an impression of Dreamcast lifespan. Show's over. Now it shows on shelves marked down to 50 bucks. Uh, like with, within a year and a half, Sega pulled the plug on this thing. I mean, it's it's not a really big console unless John Stossel does some kind of like, oh, you know, yes. like deep dive into how this is corrupting our children. Got it. Got to have some uh, middle aged newscaster's face plastered onto an F zero car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the um, that's what was weird is is I do recall with the Dreamcast when they pulled the plug, it was weird in America because at the, we were sort of still in the hype. You know, but uh, the decision to pull the plug obviously came from how the thing had been performing in Japan. Mm. And so I think that may be one of the reasons it did feel so out of left field for us and so sudden is because, well, we're still we're still in the heyday of this thing, man. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, wait, this is really cool. And then, boom, it's all shutting down. Like, what? This mm-hmm. thing that's just got started. Yeah. And it had a, had a fairly strong library at the time. Like, yeah. you know, the arcade hits were coming in. You had tons of 2D fighting games. You yeah. had perfect version of Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Yeah, it's, it still has some of the best versions of certain games, such as Marvel mm-hmm. Capcom 2. Um, Mark yeah, of the Wolves. Yeah, yeah. It was just so weird that, like... And I guess part of the other thing is they had just done something very similar with the Saturn in the previous generation, where they mm-hmm. didn't really give it a chance, you know? And, and so... Yeah. yeah I mean, well, the Saturn was kind of fucked from day one. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Whereas, whereas Dreamcast had a very strong start. Yeah. Especially in the US. And I, I guess like the start in Japan was also very slow. If I remember right, it came with like, was it like two games or four? It had. It was not a great launch. It, it launched with, uh, I want to say, Godzilla Generations, mm-hmm. Virtua Fighter. Sock Adventure wasn't even a launch game. It came like a month later. Mm. Yeah. It, it launched with, a, a, actually, in Japan. They had an exclusive Godzilla VMU that came with a Godzilla Tamagotchi game on oh it. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, unfair, uh, <laughs> totally unfair. Did it? Did it have Sengoku Turb? I think that was like the first game that I saw screenshots for in, in like next generation or something. But. Yeah, that one was fairly early as well. I'm trying to remember some of the other like definitive game versions of games that were on it. I seem to yeah. remember the version of Rayman. Was it Rayman Two? Yes. That was the best version. Yeah, that was like by far the best version. It was mm-hmm. beautiful, and that's what I. Ended yeah, up on. yeah. Also, like it was, it was a haven. Like I said earlier, it was a haven for really weird games. Uh, there was a quote in one of the the retrospective articles I saw where this this developer was saying like at the time it was it was felt that like if you made something new and different like that would be the key to success because. Mm-hmm. 
the market wasn't quite as entrenched and people were, you know, looking for more novelty. Yeah. But there was just like just bizarre things that never got a follow up. There was super magnetic Neo, a strange little platformer about a magnet headed man. It had a wacky races game. Like, who wanted that IP to come back in in 2000? Japan. Uh, Japan loves wacky races. That boggles my mind. (laughs) But some of the stuff they had, well, it had Seaman. Yeah, it's talking weird games. Yeah, had, but the weirdest it also, game for every narrated C-Man, by Leonard Nimoy. Right for every Seaman, there's a Samba de Amigo. It mm. also had some really cool experimental stuff that is like, I wish, I wish we could have kept getting those types of yeah. games. This wouldn't have been as experimental if the maracas had been cheaper. Yes, yeah. I know. We were talking like everything was on fire sale except Samba de Amigos maracas. Like mm-hmm. those things were still a hundred dollars. Yeah, 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 insane. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so so much originality and creativity all just down down the pipes within a very short amount of time and we were left with Floygan Brothers episode one and <laughs> Ooga Booga and Alien Front Online and a bunch of weirdo games that were squeezed out at the last minute to mm-hmm. take advantage of the console's last dying breaths before it disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I'm actually kind of surprised we don't have well maybe we do and I'm just not aware of it but there's there should you would think there'd be a really strong homebrew community around there is. Dreamcast. Is there? Okay. In Japan, mostly. In Japan, yeah. Heidi can speak more to that. I, I feel like the homebrew community has expanded more to the West nowadays. Japan, hmm. uh, it, it was kept going for a while because uh, they also made arcade hardware called the Naomi that was basically Dreamcast hardware in an arcade configuration. And yeah. It was really cheap, so people kept kept on making games for it for a very very long time yeah i think that's one of the reasons dreamcast got so many good um, near perfect arcade ports is it had a very similar hardware architecture from their their arcade boards at the time oh yeah marvel versus capcom 2 was a naomi game so it was basically a direct port yeah one of the one of the the strong homebrew communities were from vmu games and so well after you know because they're very simplistic games so yeah again this this week's show is about the VMU specifically, it is a top five. We we thought about doing best games. We thought about doing weirdest games. That shit is hack. It's been done a million times before. What I haven't seen a lot of is lists uh, count down the games <laughs> that made the best use of the VMU. I cannot wait for the sound clips. I'm not going to use any <laughs> VMU sound clips. Beep. They Boop. they would all sound exactly the same. <laughs> Slight variations in it's, pitch and nothing else. It's just else. that. Yeah. Beep. Yeah. Beep. You know, when you boot uh, boot a VMU with its dead batteries. Yes, the squeal. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, have you ever turned on a Tamagotchi? You've heard of VMU. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I probably can't hear that anymore. I'm getting so old. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. like the first first that, tones to that go. That pitch is going <laughs> to yeah. disappear from your hearing range. Mm. All right. Well, we will get into those five games right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash lasertime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the LaserTime network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. That's how you end up crying to a Fleetwood Mac grandma <laughs> montage one in the morning. We've all and, been there. Uh, not me. Uh, <laughs> welcome. Welcome to, the club. Um, welcome to the club. That was weird. My buddy's like, I'm going to set you up with this girl, but I got to tell you right now, she's way too out of your fucking league. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I, he had been asking me, like, you ever seen Queer of the Straight Guy? I'm like, no, no, no. And, and like, why do you keep asking me that? And like, why don't you shave your neck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
If I'm going to introduce you to my friend, I want you to shave your neck. I mean, that's fair. I like someone bringing that up bluntly to me, but you know, I tend to shave about once a week because my, of course, my reaction is like, "Fuck that! No, no, not fuck that! I'm willing to change." It is good to have a friend who will give you that feedback. I was just talking about that the other weekend. I, my best friend, Darbs. She doesn't live near here anymore. She hasn't in a long time, but she's I still love her. She's my mean friend. Mm-hmm. She's my friend that'll tell me, like, you need to retire that outfit. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And we're back to talk about what? VMU games. Yeah. Woo! VMU games and this will be a very weird list. It will be the only list where you see our number five ranked lower than our number one. But I won't spoil anything else. Let's just dive right in with... Number five. Here goes! That was easy. Uh, And is this triggering any memories for anybody? It does. It does? That is uh, definitely Skies of Arcadia. Yes. Very nice. Ding, ding, ding. You get the... Well, no, I don't get a victory noise. Never mind. Uh, But yes, Skies of Arcadia, widely hailed as one of the best RPGs on Dreamcast. Got a second life on GameCube. Before we get into the VMU part, what made this game special to you, Heidi? Oh, man. It's been a while since I played it, but I really like the feeling of, like exploring uncharted territory and discovering new and interesting places. Hmm. That, to me, felt super cool. Yeah, and the the vistas, especially at the beginning, that you get to explore in that, like, the your floating pirate ship are really super pretty. It's like something out of Panzer Dragoon. Mm. I always thought the game was maybe a little slow to start, but mm-hmm. once you're a ways in, it's... It's hard to put down. Hmm. That explains why I never quite got a ways in. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm left just scrabbling for, for battle noises to uh, to illustrate this. Back off! Alpha Storm! easy it was fun these people have no respect for combat i would love heidi for you to tell me i this feels like a distinctly japanese phenomenon but what's with the fascination with air pirates or sky pirates like that is that is totally a japanese trope though uh tailspin but yes go ahead well they were tailspinning wasn't a pirate well they fought pirates pirates. very true don carnage come on i anyway sorry i didn't mean to step on your answer is it really though like for games, I can think of Skies of Arcadia and Final Fantasy XII, and I'm trying to think of I other think, stuff with. I mean, sky so many pirates. Final Fantasies have airships. Yeah, and that's true. Kind of a big part of part of. That's the a good deal. point. It's it's not just the the air piracy. It's the combination of like nautical tropes with with flight. Yeah, it's like steampunk meet, yeah. meets pirate tropes meets flight. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I immediately think about, like, Miyazaki's Laputa or Castle in the Sky, whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, Porco Rosa. But that, a lot of that comes out of his personal fascination with aviation. Mm. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's Miyazaki and he just influenced so many <laughs> it just, games. It just yeah. all springs out from there. It's, Could be. Nausicaa Could be. was hugely influential. When when did that come out? Oh, like, 
when did it come out? Like early eighties? Yeah, I mean that could have that could have been. I will say it was eighty four, eighty five. Oh wow, okay. But we're we're gonna talk about the VMU game. They came with this, which was an interesting little experience. As you're traveling through the game, you might meet a little guy named Pinta who likes to travel the world and collect rare items, and maybe he can share his rare items with you in exchange for your geographical data. And making this deal with him gets you a little minigame on your VMU called Pinta's Quest, or actually just Pinta Quest. And it involves just flying around in an airship and uh, running into random encounters. And these random encounters might be like a little turn-based battle. They might be like you have to mash on a button really fast. Or, or oh, man, mashing on those BMU buttons oh, is great. It's the worst. <laughs> they are so mushy. Yeah. Or, or you might have to fly vertically through a field of giant boulders that are floating in midair. Like, yeah, all, all the terrain just floats in this game. It's normal. But yeah, it's, it's basically just a little mini game collection filled with random battles. And you find golden items and you can then transfer that stuff back to the main game, which is pretty cool. There's a lot of games sort of like this. When you boil it down, you could you could say it's basically like a virtual pet that you have to pay more attention to because yeah, it's all yeah. it it just kind of goes on its own, and then random things happen that require your interaction. Well, yeah, I mean, there were so many VMU games that were just basically virtual pets or Tamagotchi like variants, and so this one though did feel like they at least added a little bit of like a classic RPG layer layer to that Tamagotchi mm-hmm. aspect. But yeah, it was so many, so many games. I think one of the games we'll probably talk about on, on this list uh, is probably the most notorious example of it. Or like I mentioned, that Godzilla exclusive, like Godzilla Tamagotchi mm-hmm. thing in Japan. So it was, I mean, it, it was kind of perfectly suited for that. It was just kind of the right size. And like those had been a trend. Well, in the States, they were sort of a trend in the late 90s, mm-hmm. I want to say. So, yeah. I so still th- remember when it was hard to find Tamagotchis in yeah, stores. Yeah. And Digimons. Yes, that's true. I guess the plural of Digimon would just be Digimon, but who cares? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but also, yeah, like like Digimon, it kind of borrowed something from that in that it was possible because of the plugs on top of VMUs. Like you, you snap off the, the little cover at the top and reveal the plugs, but you could plug two VMUs into each other and you could use that to trade items or you could, in certain cases, like battle virtual pets or... Uh, mate your your other virtual pets, which when we get to those virtual pets will probably stand out as really gross. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, PintaQuest, it was a cool little innovation. And, you know, that, that kind of thing that feeds into the main game is always really neat. Uh, a lot of these do that, but uh, this gave you a flying pirate ship to do it in. So, hooray, awesome. Heidi, any anything else to talk about with, with Skies of Arcadia? Man, I, I remember like playing the VMU game on the bus a lot because this was like my first I wanna say my freshman year of college. So I'd be going back and forth to classes and playing it, but mm-hmm. honestly I don't remember much of what it what it entailed. I just remembered I'd sit on the bus and then grind it. This was this was before we had a. Uh, dumb cell phone games to whittle away our time with. I'm sure I looked like the weird one playing with this uh, little Dreamcast VMU while everybody else was... Uh... They probably just thought it was a Tamagotchi. Yeah, they probably did. Yeah, well, that that's another thing I should say. Like, all of these games are worse than the worst cell phone game you've ever played. Like, you would not, maybe with a couple of exceptions, but you would not want to actually play most of these. 
Yeah, I think today. Like, like Snake. They don't makes, hold up. Snake is like ten times more advanced than most it, of these games. One of them was actually Snake. Mm-hmm. At least one. I think Trick Style came with Trick Style Junior, which was just Snake. Yeah, Snake. Yeah, Snake. All right. Well, let's move along to number four. The answer I'm looking for, by the way, is every 90s racing game. I was going to say, what kind of game is this? I can't imagine. Um, So this is Sega GT. Yes. And the VMU game was called Pocket GT, right? Yes. But, But. Heidi, what what were the Japanese titles of the game and the VMU game in that order? I believe, like, the Japanese title was uh, Sega GT Homo... Homologation special or something? Yes, correct. Homologation, which is a an alien word to Americans, I think, but it it means like approved or like passes inspection or agreement. Uh, which I guess would be like if you wanted to say like, yes, this this car uh, has passed homologation. It's it's the top of its performance. I don't know cars. I think we're all in homologation. That is a dumb term. (laughs) We should never use that. But the name of the VMU game. Uh, (laughs) It's, uh... Oh, boy. Who wants to say this out loud? It is called Homo Pocket. (laughs) It is. Is it like Life... Homo Pocket Life A, I think? Or A-Life? Yeah. (laughs) Something like that, yes. But... But it it is a really good uh, Pocket GT, uh, Homo Pocket, whatever you want to call it, is a really nicely designed racing game that is probably roughly on par with, like, if you ever played those those mechanical, like, home quote-unquote arcade games that, yes. like, they had a little belt running and yeah. you had to steer a little plastic car yeah. along them. Yeah. yeah, or, like, like a very... Very, very early version of Spy Hunter or something. It's it's mm-hmm. that it's a top down yeah. racing game. Basically. It's a top down racing game with a track that turns around and has obstacles that you need to avoid and little hearts that you should collect. And I know that in the Japanese version, you would progress your driver in it and you could feed that back into the the full size game. I'm not sure if you could do it with Pocket GT. Mm. Hmm. Only if you're. It, Never mind. That is going to be a terrible joke. Yeah, please. Not going to go there. Just back away. Just stop. Stop all your head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But as you can probably guess from the title, Sega GT, uh, this was a racing sim game that was kind of meant to be Sega's answer to Gran Turismo, mm-hmm. and did not catch on like Gran Turismo did, despite featuring a wide variety of real-world brands and. Uh, exhaustive customization i've seen people in comments saying like i love this because you could like your your fuel injector could totally explode if you pushed it too hard like it's super realistic like oh that's cool but ultimately like to someone like me it just boils down to like oh pretty cars are going fast they're bumping into each (laughs) other this is awesome yeah i think it was just weird at the time because i feel like Sega Rally was more this known racing brand from, mm-hmm. from Sega, and so that they were trying something new to try to com- compete with Gran Turismo. And Daytona. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're right. Daytona is really the, that's, that's mm-hmm. the classic right there. 
But yeah, Sega GT, very pretty. Sort of found a second life on Xbox, and by that I mean it was packaged alongside Jet Set Radio Future and bundles with the console for a few years. So, <laughs> Man, Jet Set has been bundled along so much mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, need to get that in as many people's hands as possible. It's so good. It's very good. Very and good. it's like the original game has aged very poorly, unfortunately. I was playing it on Steam not too long ago. Yeah. Still still really fun. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, the controls are floaty and weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were always floaty and that's, weird. That's why, like, I, th- I think I, re- I I didn't like Jet Set Radio Future when it first came out, uh-huh. but went back and replayed it, and it's just like, oh, this is everything I want the original to be. Mm-hmm. This is, like, it, it feels more modern. Anyway, we're getting way too <laughs> off topic here. Um, Sega GT. Honestly, like there's there's not a whole lot of personality to this game. It's it's one of those very shiny racing sims that delivers that and not much else. If you put it side by side with like you know Gran Turismo Three, I probably wouldn't be able to tell them apart immediately. But uh, Heidi, did you ever play this one? I uh, I prefer the more arcadey racers. I Same. was more into uh, the Daytona's of the world. This uh, this one didn't really do it for me. Yeah. But Pocket GT was by itself a really cool game. Like it, it is very accessible and immediately playable. In contrast to most racing it, it, sims that have curve. It kind of reminds me of like, have you ever done the video mode in like the Getaway Two High Speed, the pinball table? No. No. Okay. Well, it's basically just just driving and uh, dodging stuff, and you know, depending on your performance, you get you get a score bonus. But in this, it's it's more like what if they expanded on that? Mm. That's a good comparison. I think a lot of these VMU games can be compared to pinball table mini games. You know, like the uh, the the uh, LED lights uh, mini games, or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say LCD, but that's not correct. But yeah, like kind of, kind of that level of interaction. It's just like yeah, it's very basic dot matrix looking stuff, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come to life. Yeah, or or even like game and watch. Like, like, like there's, some of these are about Game & Watch level of sophistication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the, those Tiger LCD games. Yes. That, that sort yeah. of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this one, did this get you anything back in Sega GT for playing the minigame, or was it just, like, standalone? We don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the challenge of doing something no one's ever done is yeah. there's not much to go on. <laughs> I do believe uh, you could uh, transfer some stuff back i'm just trying to remember what it was because i think most of uh well they announced that this was going to have a vmu mini game most everyone this being the late 90s was just like homo pocket (laughs) i just pulled up this ancient ass ign article about homo pocket and man it reminds me of just how like how assholey games writing kind of oh, was yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, let, let me read this. Sure. All right. The Sega Dreamcast VMU. Damn, it is, is it one badass piece of hardware? Sadly, few companies have come close to tapping its infinite power. In the same way that the Saturn's twin Hitachi processors remained unchallenged until the end of the machine's lifespan. But, once again, Sega has stepped forward to show everyone else how it's done. Homo Pocket is finally here and it elevates the experience of 128 gaming to an entirely new level. Just kidding, Homo Pocket is a VMU video game with a level of fun that just barely beats sitting on your rear and staring into space during that long subway ride to work. Rude. How dare yeah. 
I mean, they're they're right. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> still, yeah. that's what those games for, are for. For is what to keep it you is, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. totally. This was mm-hmm. before, like you said, before the age of cell phones. Where mm-hmm. yeah, that would have been fun on a subway ride. And yeah, you you've not only got the car, but you've got uh, a little dude you train in the game oh, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is which is kind of cool because you know. It's not just the car. The driver's got to be good, too. Mm-hmm. Homo Pocket. But why do we keep calling it that? Because I don't... I. It was not known that it was in the no, United States. Pocket GT? Yeah. yeah. But so someone in the Games Press found out, oh, in Japan, mm-hmm. this is called that. Oh, snicker, snicker, let's yep. tell all these jokes. Gotcha. Let's just call it that forever. Right. Heidi. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, lol, JK. Anyway, let's move along to... Number three. Something I know most people who owned a Dreamcast loved. Challenge one. Are you ready? Uh, what's this? This is Power Stone. This is Power Stone, motherfuckers. <laughs> Listen to this wonderful narration. Power Stone Wall. And also. In the 19th century, people are strong believers of superstition and legend. Adventurers seek the world for fortune, glory, and a legendary treasure which has the power to make dreams come true. That treasure is known <laughs> as the Power Stone. Hey, Eric? Eric, yeah, the, the, voice, the voiceover guy canceled. He can't come yeah. in. Can you come in here and just do some tempio? <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Eric. It's like last alert level. <laughs> and nonsense. then they forgot. They just forgot. Like, oh shit, that was a placeholder view. Oh, no, that's fine. It's, it's fine. Just it's leave fine. it in there. It's just fine. leave it in there. Yeah. Nobody's <laughs> going to play this speaks English. We're anymore. out of money. We spent yeah. all this money developing VMU games. <laughs> oh, and boy, did this ever develop VMU yeah, games. Like, yeah. Capcom had a few weirdo fighters that showed up on Dreamcast. This and I think Tech Romancer were both very unique and remain unique. I don't think they ever really got. S- well, no, okay, Power Stone got a sequel. But. They, they both had minigame collections that you would unlock by beating the game repeatedly with different characters. And in Power Stone's case, uh, I think it's definitely the stronger co- collection that you, you could unlock three games. Falcon's Aerial Adventure, IMA Shuriken Training, and Gunrock's Gun Gun Slots. <laughs> uh <laughs> Strangely, the the slot machine sim, which I think is probably the least interesting of the three, was the hardest to unlock. But the other ones were actually fairly impressive for what they were. In in Falcon's Aerial Adventure, you're piloting a, I guess it's a biplane back and forth across the bottom of the screen. It's a little bit a little bit like Pocket GT in that like you're you're dodging obstacles. You can you can use a speed boost and go really fast. And uh, the the uh, Goal is just basically get as far as you can within the time limit without uh, getting smashed. And then IME Shuriken training was actually like a first-person shooting gallery where little ninjas keep popping up on screen and just kind of jumping in arcs and you have to hit them with Shuriken. And again, they're both they're both very simple, very straightforward, but they're fun for what they are. They will entertain you for about five minutes until the battery dies. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should, we should say, once the battery dies, you can still use it as a memory card. Oh, yeah, yeah It yeah, just yeah. had to be plugged into the controller. But, it, but if you wanted to use it independently, you needed those yeah, batteries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it does speak volumes, the fact that Power Stone 1 had lots of VMU minigames. Power Stone 2 did not. Uh, I think no, they realized they realized like, <laughs> oh, 
we don't need to divert those d- development resources to the VMU. <laughs> no one is using those. <laughs> but so, I mean, it's it's very impressive that they did that, that that cool extra. But at the same time, it says something that I played the shit out of this game, and I only just found out that there were mini games. Yeah. Like yeah. they they kind of hid them. They were again, you had to beat the game a bunch of times to unlock them. And so that kind of limited their visibility. Yeah. Yeah, and the AI in Power Stone, from what I remember, is kind of mean. It's super mean. Mm-hmm. But the game itself is so cool. It's if you've game. never played it, you owe it to yourself. And if you're if you're any kind of fighting game fan, because it, it gives you these 3D arenas with like a bunch of different terrain. There are like walls you can smash to open up new areas. And more importantly, they are full of furniture, which you can either pick up and throw and clobber people with or you can just kind of leapfrog over it and send it sliding across the map to crash into your opponent which is really cool mm-hmm. uh it was it was very smash brothers e at the time which and it had like random item drops that you could pick up like oh a sword just appeared yeah and and ultimately uh you were trying to find beat beat your opponent uh to get the three power stones mm-hmm. and once they sh- all showed up and you collected them all you got to do this you turned into some freakishly powerful version of yourself and just unleashed annihilation in every direction. <laughs> yeah. In some alternate good timeline, Power Stone would have has the same following and admiration that the Smash games do. Because they're like along a similar vein, but obviously, yeah, Power Stone is sort of a dead franchise, whereas Smash gets a ton of games. Like, it kind of messed with the formula, and I'm not yeah. sure if it did it in a really good way, because it, it it had a bunch more, like, game modes. And I feel like that kind of took away from the, the brawling appeal of it. Yeah, it had a bunch more game modes, it added four players, a bunch more characters. It kind of felt more like a party game than a fighting game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think I didn't like it, and that was one of the only games that I, like traded in for store credit and i still regret that because now it's insanely valuable it's super expensive yeah yeah i just I, man i don't know why nobody has taken this formula from power stone and like used it in a character fighter with like a bunch of mascot characters or something it yeah. seems perfectly suited for that i mean you know a few have there there's that that french one that i mentioned yeah. i think last week uh that's on steam but like power stone did come back very briefly on psp oh which you know you does think, not count. <laughs> it shouldn't, but it does. But, but yeah, you, you would think that like PlayStation with the Bra- PlayStation All Stars, they're they're trying to be Smash. They mm-hmm. should go the Power Stone route and be Absolutely. something different and distinct, and use the all those Sony mm-hmm. mascots, all those famous Sony mascots that we all can't talk enough about, including and. And then, of course, Jack and Daxter yep. and Nathan Drake. Kratos. There's a lot of them. Come they're, on. They're, they don't all belong in the same game. It's just very weird. <laughs> sure they do. And Raiden from Metal Gear Rising and and Dante from DMC and yes. Big Daddy. Boy, they really had to use other people's characters quick. <laughs> they really got through that Sony list, like, quick. Well, there's still... A, it had the purple head from the first PlayStation ads, for God's sake. <laughs> And then he was the final boss. Yeah, which, okay, fine. <laughs> Just ripping off the hands from Smash. Heidi, am I interrupting you? I feel like you were about to say something. No, I'm fine. Yeah. Nothing else to say about Power Stone? Power Stone! Bring back Power Stone. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, the the Techromancer VMU games, uh, as long as we're on the topic, yeah, uh, sucked. <laughs> oh, perfect. I think the the first one that unlocks is like a. It's called like love punching or something like that. Excuse me. The screen was split in two, and little character portraits would rapidly pop up on either side of the screen. And if it was somebody who wasn't the main, like the the nominal main character, you had to punch them. And if you did punch the main character, you would lose points. And it was just like a very fast thing. Like here, punch, 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 and then counts counts up points. You get a certain amount of gold at the end. You use the gold to feed back into the game and maybe unlock more stuff. See, that was cool, man. We talk about second screen experiences. Like, the VMU would literally unlock stuff in your main games. Like, that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tech Romancer, is, as long as I'm talking about it, I also loved it because I don't know if, if you guys have ever played it, but it's a mech fighting game. And all of the mechs are not only drawn from various like popular mech series tropes, but every single one has a storyline that is tailored to those tropes and will recast the other characters to fit. Uh, like, for example, like the main character is the typical, like, I'm a young teenage boy and my grandfather died and willed me this giant robot and I have to use it to fight the people he who who killed him gotcha. and and you know it's very like ro- romantic shonen character thing and but then there's like also a magical girl with like a giant robot that's made out of garbage and uh and in here thing like oh everybody's being mean i need to beat them up and there's like this like military unit that that mans a mech as a crew and like in their storyline like everything's super serious and all, all these people are soldiers we're fighting against and it's it's a it's a neat touch my name is Hick Runter, and I'm in love with a pop singer <laughs> named Min Lin May. Yes. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned for more adventures of Hick Runter. <laughs> That's the worst name I've ever heard. <laughs> ah, but yeah, Power Stone. It's great. Go play it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mini, mini VMU games, not so much, but A for effort on that. But, um,. Clearly not as important as... Number two. Uh, If you were as excited for the Dreamcast launch as I was, this was burned into your head because it was playing nonstop on a loop in like every game store. What is this? The greatest, this is a Sonic Adventure. Yeah, the greatest game, Sonic Adventure, in the history of video games. And that 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 sound led into what? It led into this. I wonder if Alice in Chains knew that wasn't them. <laughs> like they're like, wait, that's us, right? Yeah. Like Lane Staley. I mean, it sounds like us. It's got to be. I mean, we probably Guns did that Roses. at some point. Axl Rose is like, wait, was that me? No, that was that that's was how he that was the best Alice in Chains sound alike band of 1999. Until you get to the chorus, and then it's too. There's not enough mm-hmm. minor chords, too yeah. many major chords. Yeah, 
But uh, specifically, we're going to talk about one aspect of Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. I think, I think people know these games fairly well. They, they came back on GameCube and I think PC and a bunch of other platforms. But there's one thing that those other platforms couldn't quite replicate the same way. Uh, who likes chows? That's the chow garden. Is that what we're listening <laughs> yeah. to? Oh, man. Right there? You know how much time I spent on this shit? Uh, oh, I'm guessing too I much. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the chow garden was a game within a game where you had to raise these little baby toddler cherub things that look like refugees from knights. And as you would yeah. raise well, them... It was based on a system that originated mm-hmm. in Knights. Oh, really? Yeah, the A-Life system. Again with A-Life. That's same from Homo Pocket. But yes, yep. please <laughs> I can, continue. I can just imagine the ad campaign, Sega saying, You need to get A-Life! <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about A-Life, Heidi. Uh, it started in Knights. Um... In every stage in Knights, there were these little uh, creatures, Nightopians, that mm-hmm. uh, were roaming around. And depending on your actions, uh, you could do things like make them scared of you, make them happy to see you, you know, inspire them to build, like, monuments and weird things. And, well, one thing you could do was when you grabbed an enemy, Knights would spin around and then they could launch the enemy. And if the enemy hit a Nightopian, sometimes it would force them to lay eggs, except that these eggs of would hatch, like, mutated Nightopians that had the uh, the look of the enemy that hit them. Whoa. So you could breed, like, these really, really fucked up hybrids. I just get the sense that there's, like, layers to knights that I never saw or scratched oh, the yeah. surface of. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I played the shit out of that game. <laughs> Here I'm just thinking, like, how could they be scared of knights? I mean, knights is a noseless, sexless harlequin who flies around uh, fighting nightmares. Why? Well, why would also, you, be you could, of that? if you did a, a spin to suck enemies and you weren't mm. careful, you could also suck in nightopians. Uh. And if they saw that, you know, one of their friends just died at your hands, mm-hmm. mm. they'd be terrified. Well, they should be because maybe they're next. Maybe they should yeah. think about that. The next time they try to ruin my image by running away. And I'll be back <laughs> at Christmas with a Knight's Christmas edition. What was that one called again? The special Christmas holiday night? Christmas Nights. Christmas Nights. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, wow. Okay, so <laughs> You made it more complicated <laughs> than it had to be. Uh, but, but yeah, Nights or Christmas Nights. But um, Back before there was a war on Christmas. Yeah. Now that should be called Holiday Nights. That's uh-huh. ridiculous, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the... Yeah, the Chows look a lot like the Nightopians. There's these floating little, well, like dumpling-headed creatures, and uh, so you're you're raising them in the special Chow Garden, and depending on how you treat them, you can pick them up and cuddle them. You can kind of kick them around or ignore them. You can feed them. You can neglect them. They will grow up in different ways to resemble different characters. I think they they really expanded on that in Adventure Two. Like there there were some that could grow to look like Sonic or Shadow or even Knights or various other characters. It was just this really cool little virtual pet thing and you could feed those virtual pets into your VMU and take them on the go with you like a like a Tamagotchi, uh, only with more fun stuff to do. You'd go on yep. these, these little quests with them. They'd ask you to, to find, like, I started up a game last night and 
the chow just like popped up and said like hey help me find that that thing that's supposed to float above my head it's it's gone missing what do you mean i haven't lost it i replaced it with the baseball because i was embarrassed (laughs) okay sure but yeah, they get into fights with, with bully chows, and uh, they could do little mini-games, and this is where you could connect them to another VMU with a chow on it to mate. Which, again, gross. <laughs> I mean, whatever, dude. You, mm-hmm. you played Vignata. You know, you know yeah, how this goes. Yeah, yeah. They, they're just going to rub their cheeks together and lay an egg. That's, mm-hmm. that's all it is. That's all it is. It's like Pokemon. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the chows added to the gameplay, or they were just literally a diversion, right? Like, there wasn't Anything you got for raising the chow? Uh, I believe, like I know in Sonic Adventure Two, you got medals when they reached uh, certain milestones. Okay, but it was just something to keep you playing longer. You had to go find them yeah. and all this what stuff. Was, yeah. This was the end game, man. This was like Sonic Adventure 2's raids. Gotcha. Raising gotcha. Chows. It's like yeah. wow. It's yeah. like yeah, you really aren't playing mm-hmm. the game until you have elite chow. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Chow Indeed. husbandry. Let's mm-hmm. just you know call it what it is. <laughs> farm animals in the stages and then uh, nuzzle them up against your chow for hours and hours oh, and yeah. hours on end. Yeah. And then they could they could turn into, like, they, they start to take on characteristics of the animals. I remember that. Indeed. That was really cool. Man, and, and like, it's it's so weird that, like, this was really fun. And, like, there were, there were a lot of as I said, there were a lot of virtual pet style uh, VMU experiences. Zombie Revenge of all games had yeah. one. Where you basically you, you take one of the three characters you play as and like I'm gonna train them on this VMU and it's gonna suck because it's all like memory games and fishing for some reason. Um, Zombie Revenge had like four mini games, didn't it? It had, did it it? had yeah, it had several, it had huh. more than one. Yeah. I, I only managed to play the one, but yeah. uh, sure. I, I think for most people who did play things on VMU, this was probably what you played. Mm-hmm. Like th- I, this was like I think the one. VMU game that was close to being a universal experience for Dreamcast owners. Yeah, it's it's the first thing that comes to my mind if you mm-hmm. say VMU game, which makes me wonder why it's our number two. Well, you won't wonder when you see how hard our number one went, but first, I'm going to play something the, the other universal experience from Sonic Adventure and the thing that sold the Dreamcast for a lot of people. Oh yeah, that whale's gonna destroy the stage. Look at that giant whale! It's gonna get you. That both both the Sonic Adventure games started off super super strong, and then just kind of gradually declined into slow objectives and terrible dialogue. To wit, hey Knuckles. What do you think you're doing? All right. Put him up. Hand over the emerald now. That's not gonna happen, buddy. So many emotions. Big mood. That soundtrack, <laughs> that's quite a thing. <laughs> that is quite a thing. Uh-huh. It's like mid-90s keyboard fill, I think. <laughs> yes. That is that is total, like, keyboard demo song. Like, press that demo button. Like, uh, boom. Yeah. <laughs> I can do this all night. All right. Heidi, anything else to say about Sonic Adventure? Um, this did kind of get a port. And by this, I mean the uh, VMU-type game. Hmm. But, uh... 
If you remember the GBA link cable for yes. the GameCube, mm -hmm. uh, the Sonic Advance games, actually pretty much every Sega Sonic-themed game for the Game Boy Advance had a uh, petite chow guard. Oh, well, yeah, you're right. I, I vaguely remember that now. And that it was basically an expansion of uh, the VMU games. Hmm. You could bring them back to Sonic Adventure 2 and the original uh, Sonic Adventure in their GameCube re-releases. It's awesome. Nice. Yeah, like we said, Dreamcast ahead of its time. Doing mm -hmm. things before other systems did. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, like I said, you'll understand why our number one is number one when we get to... Oh, yeah. Who knows what this thoroughly mediocre game is? I do, I do. We were just talking about it today, because uh -huh. that, that soundtrack's really good. Uh -huh. But the game, Time Stalkers, is no bueno. Oh, Morty. <laughs> Time Stalkers, a game mediocre enough that uh, reviewers recommended you play Evolution, World of Sacred Device instead. The predecessor game. Yeah, um, but th this was, it's, it's a very anime-ish RPG where you play the main character is a guy named Sword with blue hair um, <laughs> who's like immediately busts out all the cliche lines like this has nothing to do with me find someone else to be your hero whatever I didn't realize uh, it was originally called Climax Landers and it was supposed to be like a big crossover game for previous RPGs made by the developer Climax mm. and so you would like the game kind of jumps around in time and the conceit is that like your character runs into a clock tower and finds himself in this weird floating village to which islands are continually added that just kind of come in from other times and dimensions. And each one comes with conveniently with a randomly generated dungeon for you to explore ah, yes. filled with monsters that you get to recruit. If you Randomly want. generated dungeons like yeah. seems to be a thing among early Dreamcast RPGs. Yeah, like I think it was known as like the mysterious dungeon genre at the time, Fushigi no Dungeon. Something like that, but the Fushigi no Dungeon games play a lot differently. Hmm. All right, but but yeah, you're right. The, the randomly generated dungeons, Evolution was one of those, and it was like we were kind of in a holding pattern with these games, waiting for real RPGs to show up. <laughs> But, again, this is the only list on which Time Stalkers would ever be above Skies of Arcadia. <laughs> and it's because Time Stalkers went super fucking hard with its VMU games. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, like, I think they put more effort into the VMU games than into the game itself. All How many of them? Five? Uh, four or five, yeah. That you can you can buy them from shops in the game, yeah, and well, then put them on on your uh, on your VMU. I think there were variants too. All in all, I think they touted it as ten, but five were just mm. like downloadable versions of, that you could take with you on your VMU versus the non. And so mm. there's, there's really just five distinct games. Yeah. Did, did you ever play this, Heidi? I think I played it very briefly and then went. This sucks and played something else <laughs> that was better. This this game is ugly 
Oh, it's so <laughs> like we remember the Dreamcast is looking like really, really nice and really yeah. sharp. I mean, and it's it's not that horrible, but it's it's still it's, it's very much a launch window game. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. Hmm. Hmm. And so these these mini games. So it had the the expected virtual pet thing because one of the the unique, somewhat unique things about Time Stalkers is that during combat, it was possible to capture monsters, store them in a capsule, and get them to work for you. You could, I think, have wow. eight at a time, and you could bring two into battle at a time. What an original concept. There should, they should make a game series where you do that. <laughs> I and know, right? certain classes of monsters should be more powerful than mm -hmm. others. Strangely, the Wikipedia entry I read to find that out uh, said, like, oh, it borrowed from Dragon Quest V, and I was like, oh, if only, <laughs> if only some other series had done it. <laughs> it was right there. Boy, that would be super effective. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, just but, give, me a, give me a poke to jog yeah, my memory. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So you could uh, you could download your monster onto the VMU, and it, in a mini game called Moonlighter, where you could assign the monster various odd jobs that it would do, and then gain experience and gold and power, or whatever, and come back to you. It also had a mini game collection that was just called Stuff, <laughs> and Stuff had a chicken, which was this little isometric game where you're a, a guy who. It's like, you remember that bit in Zelda where you have to uh, gather up all the cuckos that have... Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Cuckos, oh, cuckos? How do you pronounce I... that? We don't use that. The chickens. Show, you you have to gather them up and throw them into a pen. That's those, what this is. Those beta cucko chickens <laughs> in Zelda. <laughs> but, um, what, real quick, on stuff, though, I do uh -huh. want to say, stuff was great because it introduced one of the game's best exploits where you could basically spawn infinite money mm. from it. And you could, like, really? sell... Yeah, you could... You could take money, I forget exactly how it worked, but you could, like, sell it back in the game and then do that. You would have to do it a lot, but, mm -hmm. but basically, yeah, it was a huge exploit uh, huh. where you could get, you know, pretty far ahead by doing, by doing well, that. Well, it also had a slot machine. Uh, it had a game called PSR, which was just rock, paper, scissors, and I've never understood. Like, there, there are a bunch of rock, paper, scissors minigames on VMU. I don't understand the appeal at all. Wait, so is it, like, P versus... S versus R, like that's the rock, paper, scissors. What do those stand, what do those stand for? I'm looking at the manual right now. Uh, <laughs> it just says, here's, here's the description. Beforehand, decide on a strategy. Will you select the hands or will you leave this decision to the computer? When playing against the computer, the number of hands will rise as your level rises. Mm. <laughs> you can play that against another human or against the computer and you can just... Have it play itself, which is, I think, the right way to do that. Yeah. Just, it's called auto Or chess. not play it at all. There's Even a whole better. genre of yeah. game all about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right um, yeah, I'm deliberately staying away from the cool stuff so we can get the sillier things out of the way. Oh, it, it, stuff also has Boink, which is just whack-a-mole. <laughs> and, again, not great. <laughs> but uh, it also, you could, you could download something called Editor. And in Editor, it was just like a pixel paint program where you could make your own pictures, but... What was cool was that you could save them, re-upload them into the game, and then hang them in frames around your house. Which was later an Animal Crossing thing. Yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, huh. interesting. Neat. And uh, possibly my favorite part of this is Dungeon 4, which is a, a 3D first-person dungeon game where you go through, you find treasure, you fight monsters, you, you can use both buttons in the monster fights. They, they unfold in real time where you just like... 
here, hold down A to, to raise your hand up and block some damage, and then just, like, start punching with the other hand with B, and you can find weapons, and uh, once once you understand what you're doing, this is actually, like, really fun. Nice. And for what it is, it's it's yeah. amazing, and I think it's it's more enjoyable than the actual... <laughs> Act of playing Time Stalkers. Yeah, I tried watching a time play of Time Stalkers earlier, and um, I stopped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It takes a while. Like those dungeons are uh, deep, man. <laughs> lots and lots of floors for you to go through, and that—that's not all. It also has a mini game called Yogurt ADV, which I think is short for Adventure. Oh, uh, I thought I meant Advanced. Like fucking oh, Advanced Yogurt. <laughs> This thing has so many probiotics, bro. Yeah, uh, so Yogurt's big adventure consists of what yogurt and yogurt mansion. Your aim is <laughs> your aim is to clear various goals such as errands in quotes and treasure hunts. However, Yogurt selfishly does his own thing, moving around as he wants and not as the player wants. Have fun trying to understand Yogurt's way of life. <laughs> the game ends when Yogurt's enthusiasm Again, in quotes, reaches zero. <laughs> <laughs> Even Yogurt grew tired of this game. At Yogurt Mansion, more and more strange and wonderful people and monsters will come and live in Yogurt Mansion. That's Basically description. Predecessor to Luigi's Mansion. I'm telling you. I guess, yeah. Man, Nintendo's just taking notes. <laughs> Time stalkers. So, yeah, like, the, like it went really hard with these. And and Ugh. I think for if for nothing else, it deserves praise for that. Like they really went all out with the concept of VMU games. That is so yogurt of you, Michael. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I so yogurt. That's so yogurt. It's so yogurt. With it, we need to turn this into a catchphrase. <laughs> My enthusiasm is reaching zero. <laughs> <laughs> And mine as well. That's probably a good place to pull the plug on this discussion. <laughs> My enthusiasm for VMU games. Flat zero, baby. Hon- honestly, uh, so all of these, most of these, I, I wasn't able to find Yogurt Adventure, but most of these, uh, if you poke around and look for VMU ROMs and emulators, you can you can find these and play them. They're still around. Uh, they will provide literally minutes of fun. But <laughs> they are kind of cool as a curiosity to just kind of rediscover these things that were basically a footnote to what became a footnote in gaming. Yeah. And if you want to play a ROM, no one's going to go after you for playing this thing. <laughs> yes. You'll be safe. You'll be safe. Uh, that, that's also one of the only ways Americans can experience uh, like the Soul Calibur game pack, I think it was called, which is like a series of mini games where you get to do stuff like bounce treasure off of Voldo's belly while he's crab walking <laughs> and it's it's sort of like the, the I think there's an like an Atari trampoline game with clowns it's it's like that sure yeah um but anyway yeah that's the that's VMU, enough VMUs. VMUs are weird anything else to say about VMUs Heidi keeping that distortion what else needs to be said (laughs) (laughs) all right well on that note we're going to take a little break and when we come back we'll talk about some new releases some new some other stuff so stay tuned
get scratching. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 30, 20, 10. Here's a clip from 1999. American Pie was a phenomenon with uh, five, five, four sequels and three straight-to-video sequels. Yeah. But American Pie is all about guys trying to get laid, especially through the eyes of Jim, Jason Biggs, who I think is actually pretty fun. I like that. I've always liked Jason Biggs, and I can't even remember what the pie scene is because... Oh, he fucks it. No, no. Yes. (laughs) I recall... But uh, I his penis. But I saw both movies, the the first two movies in theaters, and the MPAA always has a cut to suggest. So the DVD has, if you watched, if you watched it more on DVD, you have a different fucking scene. So what do you remember him doing with the pie? Honestly, I don't remember. Like I've kind of blocked. Did that his dad out. come in and he has the pie plate over I his think crotch? So yeah. So in the right. unrated unrated DVD, he's on the counter fucking it. Oh, and- <laughs> missionary style. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Can you do doggy with a pie? <laughs> I mean, not if you're the giver. Uh, bend it over the fireplace. And like... But you could do reverse cowgirl. <laughs> How do you reverse it? It's round. Well, the pie plate's away from you. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the, the pie plate is its underwear. <laughs> I think it's all but. <laughs> Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. And welcome back to our final segment where we will waste no, no time, Matt. None whatsoever. Mm-hmm. None, no. I thought we weren't wasting time. We're not, not wasting what time. Happened? We're not wasting time before we jump into. Oh, let me, let me put down my VMU and stop uh-huh. wasting time playing VMU games. <laughs> that is a waste of time. You're only alive for so long, man. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I personally am glad that we're done with that segment and I never have to think about another VMU game again. Over under on my lifespan compared to VMU battery life. Mm. <laughs> eh, probably better. Okay. Most things are okay. better. But, oh, man, so much stuff. A this lot week. of stuff. We thought last week was intense. Ugh, this week is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, Father Time said, ha fuck you. This week is insane, bro. Well, let's let's start off. Uh, Heidi, what have, uh, what have you had time to play this week? What have I been playing? I've been playing a game called AI the Somnium Files. Oh. It's uh, a game by Kotaro Uchikoshi, who was the writer and director of the Zero Escape games. Oh, And this was uh, his new project. He's been working on it for a while. And uh, I just reviewed it for GameSpot. So you can uh, go over there, check it out. It is uh, a very good game. I liked it a lot. What platforms is this on? It's on PS4, Steam, and Switch. Okay. And we can read your review on GameSpot. Yes, GameSpot.com. Yes, Formerly known as VideoGames.com. GameSpot.com. Yeah, we ran into a few videogames.com videos while researching some of these things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody remember uh, remember Nuke? Nuke. Nuke. That was uh, Ziff Davis's site back in the day. It was oh, called, man. like, I don't know if it was nuke.com or nuke.net, but if you really did, you can find some old uh, videogames.com slash GameSpot screenshots with the Nuke branding. Nuke. <laughs> wow. Okay. That that seems yeah. That's a very early two thousands thing. Yeah, for sure. for sure. Um. 
But yeah, ton ton of games this week. Where uh, do we start? Where oh we my start? gosh! How uh, about the, how about we start with the unofficial release? It's not really release, but it's a thing we both played over the weekend. Oh, How's you're that? talking about the Ghost Recon Breakpoint beta? Yes, indeed. All right, which, yeah. which you got access to if you pre-ordered the game, mm-hmm. um, or if you signed up at uh, GhostRecon.com/slash/beta. Full disclosure: I am a Ubisoft employee. And anyway, I, and I used to be. Mm-hmm. And I used to be. Way. And I worked on Ghost Recon Phantoms, a Ghost Recon game. So oh, wow. there's that. Is that the free to play one? That was the free to play. Yeah. Uh, Online multiplayer. Again, yeah. ahead of its time. Ghost Recon Breakpoint, not free to play, but it is mm-hmm. a massive open world where you are hunted behind enemy lines as a lone ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to contend not only with uh, PMC soldiers who've taken over, but also with a, an elite unit of former ghosts called Wolves. The wolves. And uh, also a bunch of really heavily armed military drones, some of which were in the beta. Yeah. And John Bernthal's dog. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think the dog is in the Damn beta, it. but the dog is very cute. He's, he's great. Had him on stage. Uh, John Bernthal's in the beta. Yes, absolutely. In a cutscene. Yes. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, I didn't get to play a ton. I just got basically up until you get to the home base. Yeah. Area, social Ar- hub. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Um, which, but I did get to experience. You know what? What the game will feel like, and and the driving and the shooting and all that stuff mm-hmm. and the loots. Yes. Um. This is a really fun game. I really like the way shooting feels. It mm-hmm. it reminds me of classic Ghost Recon uh, in terms of the every gun by default that I picked up at least had a silencer, which is very, mm-hmm. very yeah. Ghost Recon. Yeah. Yep. Uh, most of my engagements with enemies were from long distance where mm-hmm. I was creeping up and usually crawling on my belly on the ground and sniping them from far away. Yep. Sharpshooter is a great class if you're playing solo. I was going assault because I thought I'd have mm. more survivability solo, but that's that's good. Yeah, tip right maybe there. a little bit. VGA but, hot uh, strat, I like it. But it is, um, you know, I, I think it's a very different experience playing in co-op or solo. And and solo, I think, like I've talked to some developers who are like, yeah, you kind of have to be a little bit more cautious because uh, you don't, for example, you don't have revives. Or unless you're mm. playing as a field medic, in which case you can revive yourself. But uh, having the safety net of partners kind of allows for more experimentation, more diverse tactics, because you've yeah. got like people with a bunch of different skills. Yeah. Now, I didn't play uh, Wildlands. How similar does this play to, to Ghost Recon Wildlands, Michael? Um, that's a very loaded question, Matt. <laughs> okay. I didn't mean it to I mean, be. I, no, I no, no. Mean... It's um, they're similar, but they're they're very different. Like I, I think this this. Uh, can, it feels very different when you're playing. The way that your your ghost moves is very different. Um, the the driving feels more refined, and uh, you have to contend with things like j- dangerous terrain now. Where if like you're on a steep incline, uh, it's possible to if you run out of stamina to lose your footing mm-hmm. and go tumbling, and you can sustain an injury or die. And if you sustain an injury in this game, which can happen from falling or from bullets or whatever, uh, you will be temporarily hobbled. And, yeah, uh, yeah, there's some survival elements yeah, to this game where yep. you got to bandage yourself up. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, and that takes time, which is difficult to do sometimes in the middle of a heated firefight, so yeah. you kind of want to plan carefully. I uh, What I really loved was the loot. I loved just exploring the map, and every time I saw a question mark, you can bet I went to that question mark to see what was there, oh, and usually there'd be at least one or two treasure chests, mm-hmm. or whatever, they weren't treasure chests, I, I guess they're brief... What what are I mean just chests with like modern day military looking yeah, chests yeah, full, yeah, full yeah. of guns full and of usually yeah pretty cool gun in there and of course they they brought back the gunsmith feature which is like 
you can customize your guns pretty much any way you want. Um, there's a lot of upgrade options there, and there's some currencies and stuff that you have to you have to get. Well, you can disassemble guns if they're like yeah. less powerful than what you have, and that'll mm-hmm. get you stuff that you can then use in Gunsmith to yeah. upgrade your guns. And that felt really good. I love the the skill trees. Hmm. There is a lot of skills to unlock in this game. Yeah, you've got yeah. you've got four different classes, and you will be able to unlock. I, th- I think you can unlock any skill, but like unlocking a class kind of begins you on the path yeah. to unlocking yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, well, this this is a game. Uh, you know, as fun as it is that we played some of it, it comes out on October fourth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, we can talk about it a little bit more in less than a month. Which yeah. is yeah, it's yeah because we do have quite a few games that yes, uh, we did do. come out. But but yeah, Ghost Recon Breakout uh, beta was was fun. Yeah. You know what I had a lot of fun with this weekend? Gears Five. River Actually, City? I was going to say River City Girls. Okay, but Gears Five too. Yes. Oh man, did you play River City Girls? I haven't played it yet because uh, me and my boyfriend are planning on doing a co-op stream of it eventually. Oh, that's a good oh, idea. Yeah, yeah. That game looks great. It does. It it looks great. It plays better. Uh, if you enjoy. Uh, if you enjoyed the Scott Pilgrim game, if you enjoyed Double Dragon Neon, this feels very much in that vein. Mm-hmm. It's a you know isometric brawler that's extremely goofy. Uh, it kind of it it ties directly into the Double Dragon Neon universe in that uh, characters from that game appear as shopkeepers. You really? you learn martial arts moves from Jimmy Lee. Uh, what? Uh, what's his name? Not Skullmania. Skullmageddon, the the main bad guy, uh, now runs a disused pawn shop in the basement of the very deep basement of the building that you have to go wait, down wait, to. Wait, wait. so mm-hmm. has double dragon always shared a universe with river city ransom? I mean, they've always shared a developer. Uh, like they were both by technos back in the day yeah. and arc system works has picked up both of them, mm. but it's, it's very much in that, you know, retro 16 bit style, but, uh, but it, it looks great. It's very beautifully animated. Um, you are playing as uh, the the two girlfriends of uh, in River City lore, Cuneo and Ricky. Who Cuneo uh, and Ricky, the main characters of the River City games, have been seemingly kidnapped. So their girlfriends Misako and Kyoko have to go and find them. Uh, I think the girlfriends were introduced as playable characters in like the 1994 Super Nintendo Cuneo game that never came out over here. Well, is there anything this game does to kind of expand upon the brawler genre, or is this more of a what you'd say a refinement of that genre? Like, it's, it's a refinement. I mean, you you jam on buttons a lot, and you pick up special moves as you go along. Like the idea is like you earn a bunch of money, and it's a semi open world, and so like okay, I I got like four hundred dollars. I'm going to run back to the dojo and pick up this move I've had my eye on. Cool. And as you as you level up, you will be able to learn more moves. You will get stronger. You will be able to take more damage. You'll earn more money from beating up other students, which are endlessly everywhere. And I'm honestly a little bit confused. Like, this seems to be a merging of what we've thought of as, like, the River City universe and the Cuneo universe. Because they've always been a little bit separate in that, like... So River City Ransom, the original became like a weird American thing. Like Tokyo becomes river city, uh, Cuneo and Ricky become Alex and Ryan. And they continued that into the, um, the licensed sequel river city underground. I want to say, mm. um, but then this is like, it has all the Japanese names, but the city is river city. The currency is dollars. And, uh, 
this guy named Godai who shows up, who's like defined by being the neighborhood creep who uh, just tasks you with doing horrible things like, hey, really hate this statue of the mayor. Go go beat the crap out of it. Uh, <laughs> mayor built a gold statue of himself. Tear it down. Um, or like he, he has an Irish accent, which it's like, OK, I, this is fine, but it's a little weird, like because he starts <laughs> talking about like hey, people in the slums. Uh, Pack their nice cares here, and like that's that's when I noticed it. And it's like you got you got to go trash these nice cars because they're too nice for the neighborhood and people who live here feel bad. That was a spot on Irish accent, yeah. Michael. That was pack, better. Pack their cares better than Brad Pitt's Irish accent. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I I love this game. I'm it's great. playing the crap okay. out of it. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's really silly mm. and very goofy, and I like it. Well, here's a game that's eh, not always silly and goofy, mm-hmm. but it has its moments. Gears Five. Yeah, I played. Yeah. I played a, played a bit of the old Gears Five. Um, I made it. So here's the thing: I only made it through Act One, which I will say, if you've played Gears Four, well, you're going to know exactly how Act One feels because it's mm-hmm. pretty similar. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to the part that everyone says the game really opens up and changes, which is you mean act when you two stop and, playing as a meathead and start playing as a woman for a while. Yes, but, but more than that, it becomes sort of a semi-open world game starting in Act Two. Yeah, huh. yeah. I haven't gotten to that point either. Yeah, there's like a skiff you ride around on, mm-hmm. and you can you can explore the world. But yeah, Act One. I, I, I was so confused because I'd been reading all these reviews. It's like, oh man, Gears is redefined. This this feels more like an Uncharted game, and I'm like. What are they talking about? This is did they not play Gears Four? Because this feels just like Gears Four, mm. and I guess that's really Act One. And then once you get past that, uh, it really does open up. But um, man, this is a beautiful game. It really is. Yeah, it's like if you've got an Xbox One X or a decent PC and like a 4K TV or monitor, it yeah. looks amazing. Like the visuals really pop, man. There's so much detail in the leaves. And I was playing on. Um, because I have the uh, Game Pass Ultimate, oh, yes. I'm playing on both PC and Xbox, and the cloud save is just seamless. Like, my progress oh, nice. carries over. You don't have to do anything there um, other than, dude, trying to get that Xbox app to work on my PC was a pain in the ass. But I finally I had to download several Windows updates uh, to get it to work, but I finally got it up and running. And um, it's a really cool experience to be able to play on both. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm liking it a lot so far and especially for I know it's not free but you know for something I'm already paying for for $15 yeah, yeah. a month it's like it feels like free it's free like Netflix movies yeah, are free yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah to get it like this I, I know we gotten other really good games as part of Game Pass before uh, namely like Forza Horizon 4 wonderful game amazing game had, had a lot of fun with that played it for hours and hours but this feels like uh, this is sort of unfair to other games, but to me, this feels like the first true like AAA experience that I got for free as part of my Game Pass. You know, because wow. it's like a it's Gears game, man. Like, I'm sorry, Crackdown Three, but this is Gears, dude, and and it's it's all included. <laughs> Where's your love for State of Decay Two, <laughs> dude? That game. man, I kind of forgot Crackdown Three came out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, man, uh, I'm liking what I'm playing so far. Maybe we'll have some more thoughts next week once we get through act two and into the more open areas of the game but mm. uh looks really good yeah um what else what uh, else well you else. played you played monster hunter world iceborne well no or you tried to yeah Ice i Bros. i <laughs> i played uh monster hunter world huh. and i couldn't get to the iceborne content because it's one of those deals where Despite the fact that this is a $40 expansion, which I did get a code, uh, so thank you to the person out there that gave me that, full disclosure. Um, 
Yeah, I didn't get to play that content because you have to have both beaten the campaign and gotten to Hunter Rake 16 before you can even play any of it. The only thing I got was the new... Uh, there's a new tool that you can play throughout the main campaign. I want to say it's called like the Capture Claw or something like that. So it's kind of like it's integrated as part of your slinger. And you know you'd use the slinger to, to fire things at the monsters before. Or you'd use it for like the flash pods and stuff like that. Well, now you basically have this... It's like a little grappling hook type thing that that goes out and grabs onto the monster and then you can mount the monster uh i wouldn't say at any time you, you basically have to stagger them first otherwise they're going to buck you off right away mm-hmm. but remember in monster hunter world how if you you could jump like off of cliffs onto the monster's backs and do right. a ton of yeah, damage yeah, yeah, yeah. but you have to it took some you know you got to line that up this is basically like having that available to you pretty much at any time if you can stagger the monster, which is really cool. You can use it to to damage and weaken spots on their hides and then do more damage. You can go to their head and and either just hit their head with your weapon or you can fire like a bunch of your shot from your slinger shot into that monster. You can also, if you position the monsters correctly, you can hit a button to slam them into walls or like take them off cliffs basically. So... Mm. It opens up like a whole lot of, of strategic options to you, um, but yeah, I am, I am pissed off that I can't get to the Iceborne content yet. So I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to finish because I basically this is a game I played. I, I checked the timestamp: 95 hours I put into Oof. Monster Hunter World, but wow. I had so much fun. I grind all the investigations and the side stuff. I just hadn't finished the last Elder Dragons. I was just like, oh no, I'm gonna go do this, and then I. And so I just, I basically just have to defeat the last three Elder Dragons to, to really finish that campaign. Um, well, let that be a lesson to you. But it's one of those games you don't even know if you're finished or not <laughs> yeah. sometimes because they keep granting quests and there were special event. They've been really good about all this free DLC with special events. And so I've been playing like what I thought was end game for a long time. Like I'd been fighting high level, high rank monsters and stuff. But um, so maybe I'll have more thoughts on the actual Iceborne content next week when I can actually play it. But in the meantime, um, I'm having fun with that capture claw thing. That's pretty cool. Hmm. All right. Well, let's see what else. Uh, Zen Pinball Star Wars Collection. Yeah. So again, I got a code for this one. So mm-hmm. thank you to our contacts that uh, Zen Studios. And this this basically just rounds up. They've been doing a ton of Star Wars tables for, for a long time now. And this puts them all in one place and it's on the Switch. Um, so a couple cool things there. Number one, you can either have the regular switch view on your screen or you can have a rotated vertical switch view, which is really cool. Mm. And I think there's that one peripheral they sell that basically lets you hold your Joy-Cons. Yes, like the, on the, the flip grip. There it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you can you can have a more complete view of the tables by using that grip. The other thing that it adds that I think I wish more pinball collections did this, that there's a career mode that kind of gives you stuff to do and tasks to accomplish as you play across the different tables and helps you experience all the tables. Like rather than just here, here's like 20 pinball tables and have at it. Uh, this thing is like, well, okay, on this table, you're going to do this and you, you have to, you know, it might be like a time score challenge or it might be uh, try to get, most of them are score related. It might, might be, you know, try to get this high score in three lives or it might be try to do this one thing on the table, you know, and, and it kind of not only teaches you the tables, but it teaches you like, you know, if you really are playing pinball the way you're supposed to, is you're supposed to learn the table and how to unlock the stuff that unlocks the higher scores, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's a great way of kind of gradually introducing you to all the elements of the tables. Plus, I love the Zen pinball games because it's like, it still feels like pinball, but they do stuff with the physics that you could never actually accomplish in real life. Mm-hmm. But it still, it still feels real. And there's still, you know, and so to have a pinball table where it's like, 
a little Darth Vader figurine can walk into the middle of the table and then I can hit him with with the ball or like Luke walks out there, whatever. Sure. And you can hit him with the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really cool, really fun. It's a great way to get all those tables together for, for one low price. So uh, yeah, it, I had a lot of fun with it. I'm, I'm going to play a lot more of it actually. So. Incidentally, pinball is the only instance in which I'll ever accept calling levels boards. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't understand that. What if it's like a uh, a board game? Well, if it's like, you know, okay, a that uh, video version yeah, yes. of Monopoly or yes, something. Yes, yes that, that works. That, that works. Boards, fine, yes. Mm-hmm. But what? you did not clear all the boards in Ninja Gaiden. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, right. So there's, there's, there's even more. So, Michael, you played a game called Blasphemous. I did. Which is, I think, the review that I read that sold me on it was like, I think, uh, CGM, I want to say, that uh, they called it Catholic Castlevania for Coneheads. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it um, it draws very heavily on uh, medieval uh, Catholic iconography, the, uh, the self-flagellation stuff, the severity, the the penitence. And in fact, your your main character is a penitent, uh, they, which was like a, a thing in medieval. The penitent man shall pass. The penitent man yeah. shall pass. But but it's like so, and and I don't know if this is just like a Spanish thing or a more widespread Catholic thing. But like uh, in Spain, they have like penitents who basically dress like they look like KKK members. They're not KKK members. They're wearing black instead of white. And, and it's all like, but it's like these big conical hats with masks that are supposed, it's, it's like a shame thing. And they'll like mm. walk barefoot through the streets and it's, it's to, to do penance for your sins. And so your character is basically a knight version of that, wearing a metal mask with a, a conical uh, helmet. And uh, you're going through and, I'm not even sure. Like, there's just the, all these weird creatures all over the place that all vaguely seem to also be penitents. There's just, like, uh, naked people who, like, drag these big statues around and try to smash you with them. Uh, Sounds like a developer is working through some issues. <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's all just like this... Like, somebody took my reaction to wandering through a Spanish cathedral and looking at all the old relics and statues and things and, like, turned that into a game that... That severity, that sort of masochistic self-punishment, um, and but it's it's not a it's not a bad it's a very good Castlevania game. Is, okay, is what I should have left. How, with. how does this play? Is this side scrolling? Yes, yeah, okay, side scroller. Okay. Um, it's it's a Metroidvania. There's a lot of stuff to discover and unlock. You'll find a lot of things in the the early hours of the game. That's just like I can't reach that yet. So I guess I'm going to come back later. And your your goal is to go and. Uh, travel to various corners of the map to perform the three humiliations, which are these uh, these rituals that will allow you to do something. I forget. I was very distracted by the, farting, the weird imagery. Farting in front of a girl sure, on a date. Yeah, yeah, That's uh-huh. humiliation one. Say, saying you too when a waiter tells you enjoy your meal. That's <laughs> <laughs> humiliation yes, two. Yes. <laughs> or yes, or enjoy your trip. You too. <laughs> You're not going anywhere, are you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, what what I've played is is very good and uh, is very high production values. Uh, and despite the severity of the subject matter, it's a lot of fun so far. Cool. So if you're into side scrollers, if you want a Metroidvania style game, great. Where are you playing this? Uh, Xbox. Okay, 
but it's on everything, I think. Cool. Uh, tell me about Greedfall. Greedfall is an open world game uh, that's sort of like if the the new world was discovered sometime in the 18th century and you went over there with your tricorn hats and your magic and your guns and uh, found a new continent full of monsters yeah. and, and uh, strange rituals and things like that. But I, I haven't gotten very far into it, but uh, you are, you're going to the new world as like a diplomatic representation for some trade consortium. And uh, you are trying to find a cure for some plague that is afflicting people. And you yourself appear to be afflicted with it because uh -oh. even though it has a very deep character creation, like you can be male, female, you pick from a variety of faces, hairstyles, etc. Um, you know, you can you can pick a specialization and skills, but you always have like this huge writhing black mass of stuff that is just always just behind your chin, like what below below your left cheek. That so looks like a big gross birthmark or possibly some hair, which uh, <laughs> yeah, gross. Mm -hmm. All right, but but uh, but I, I haven't gotten very far in it. Um, but what I've played is. It's all right so far. Um, I've heard the game compared to Dragon Age, and it, there are a lot of like multiple choice conversations. And I think, like right at the beginning, I went into the city with uh, my man at arms who trained me through a combat tutorial, mm. and just like, oh, I can talk to him. Uh, what what can I ask him? Like, oh, do you ever get lonely? Is one of the questions, and then I ask it, and it's like. Well, like, I've never really thought about it. I guess sometimes, why do you want to do something about that? I'm like, oh, God, I'm Whoa. already in the flirting track. It's Whoa. too early. Whoa. It's too early. Whoa. I don't want to flirt with the help. You guys got <laughs> shit all over cancel. his face. <laughs> um, I, I get strong vampire vibes out of this. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it is published by Focus Home Interactive, I think. I, the same yeah, publisher. Yeah, I think so. so the same publisher. Yeah, a little, little bit. I, I'll be able to talk more about it next week when I've spent okay. more time with it. Here's something I know you can talk about. Because yes. I think you and I have put... Well, we've put hundreds of hours into the base game, mm -hmm. but uh, tell me about Discovery Tour Ancient Greece. So, you like you like learning about history in your Assassin's oh Creed boy. games? Oh, boy. Yes. Because I do. Yes. Uh, so, Discovery Tour started uh, with Assassin's Creed Origins, mm -hmm. a Discovery Tour Ancient Egypt, and it was basically turning the entire game world into a conflict-free open-world museum with a bunch of exhibits that like have different narrated stations and you can learn about like landmarks and people and events. And this expands on that. It brings the concept into Assassin's Creed Odyssey's ancient Greece. So you can travel all over the map. You can mm. uh, see a series of exhibits at the Acropolis, for example, you can find out about like, yes, they had this giant ivory statue of Athena that was also filled with gold and uh, Pericles convinced people that it would be worth the cost because they could use it as a repository for gold in times of emergencies and melt them, melt it down when they needed it. And that the pools in the chamber with it were to regulate humidity so that the ivory wouldn't crack. Like that's interesting. And then you, of course you see the historical Atlantis, right? When you explore Atlantis, you don't see Atlantis. What? Atlantis is not included. That's in the that's historical the DLC. Tours. That's the DLC. Historical <laughs> tours, right? I'm probably not, yeah. but <laughs> But um, it, it does add some some nice little bells and whistles over the the last uh, iteration of it that you the tours are now guided by various characters from the game. So oh, nice. you can like you meet up with like Herodotus or Aspasia or someone else like a familiar face will greet you and say like, oh, welcome to this tour. I hope you enjoy it. And then they'll they'll appear at the end of the tour. So you, you go along these little lit stations and you hear the narration and then 
you meet up with them at the end and if you want they'll quiz you this and is the one um is this free again where like they uh, it is if you own the base game it is free okay uh, it's a free download uh update expansion whatever uh if you can also get it as a standalone game on you play pc for i think 20 bucks okay yeah i'm not 100 percent sure i, th- I mean that. the last version i want to say for origins like ubisoft was was saying like schools could use yes. this as a teaching tool yeah and and that's kind of what it's been developed as like this like they they know that like there have been teachers who use assassin's creed as a teaching tool because of the the recreations of history and all the uh the historical facts that are included in it and this is like let, let, let's just go whole hog into that and uh, so developed as a teaching tool, but available to everyone. I see. So yeah, and if you don't turn in your homework, they get you with a hidden blade. <laughs> right there. Yeah, and you can you can unlock various characters as you uh, complete things. So I, I imagine like this could be used in a classroom setting. Like students are competing, and it's like, well, I unlocked Pythagoras. Well, I unlocked uh, Cassandra in this badass armor. Like, oh man, you've completed so many more tours than I have. <laughs> Uh, anyway. Well, my guy has a theorem. Does Cassandra have a theorem? <laughs> I think not. I mean, she could. She's fictional. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Well, I got a flaming horse. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's there's two other games that came out that we have not played yet, so we can't yeah. say anything about them. But Matt Damon X Machina. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, thank you to the fan that sent <laughs> us yeah. that fan art. That was amazing. And then Borderlands 3. Uh, those both come out later this week. Mm-hmm. So. Or ne- probably now as you're hearing this. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we will. We'll have thoughts on those as well as hopefully Iceborne next week if I can fucking get to it. Oh, damn you, Capcom! And Greedfall, sure. But let's move along. That is it for new releases. So. I don't know about you, Michael, but one of my first gaming platforms was an Apple. Yes, Apple, same. Apple IIe, Apple IIe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but it is weird that Apple's kind of had this like tenuous relationship with games. Let's just say that. Mm. And so to see this week's announcement for Apple Arcade, uh, there were a lot of pleasant surprises in here. Mm-hmm. So Apple Arcade, as a reminder, is the subscription service they announced. Um, I want to say earlier this year. That is basically kind of a an all-you-can-play service with a bunch of games. Mm-hmm. They provided more details at this Apple event where they also announced the newest iPhone and all that. Yes. And, you know, if you the want one spend... that's giving people trypophobia. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. finally I can stop carrying around all these crumpled wasp nests to, uh, to right, show to people while right. I try to take their picture. Yeah, that's right. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so Apple Arcade, we now know, is coming September 19th. Uh, we also know it's going to cost $5.00. Per month, mm-hmm. uh, and you get one month free. So yet another game subscription service. <laughs> so if you if you buy more uh, five or more mobile games a month, it's a good deal. Uh, yeah, well, exactly. But these are actually they go beyond your typical kind of mobile game. So there's over a hundred games are coming this fall to the service. These games you can download, and all of them I think will be playable offline. Hmm. Uh, they'll playable on not only iOS devices but also Mac OS and Apple TV. And they'll have cross-save, which I was just talking right, earlier right. about how you much I love that from Gears. Yep. Uh, these are all going to be premium games. There's no free-to-play games included. Um, and you subscribing will get you all the full versions, including any updates and DLC released for the games. Including Sayonara Wild Hearts. Well, let's go through. I wanted to right, talk right. about a few of the games. And there, I think there's definitely, you know, like we said, there's over 100 coming. But there were some highlights in the announcement that uh, I think are worth mentioning. So Capcom 
is um, creating a new game called Shinsekai in the Depths. Uh, it's a side-scrolling action game. It's set entirely underwater. It looks a little bit, little bit Metroidvania. Maybe you play as a deep sea diver. Yeah, you have to run from eels and bug things. Yeah, but a new, yeah. new game series from Capcom is right. always mm-hmm. worth paying attention to. Fantasian or Fantasian comes. It's uh, this is developed by the developers of Miss Walker. It's led by. Um, uh, Heidi, you might be able to pronounce this. Hironobu Sakaguchi. There it is. Hironobu yeah. Sakaguchi, who's, uh, he's the Final Fantasy dude. The gooch. You know? Yeah, the gooch. So, <laughs> um, and what's awesome, it, the worlds, though, they, they're all built, they, they photograph 3D dioramas in real life and then import them into the game. So it kind of has like this really distinct, cool look there. Mm. Uh, and yeah, to see Sakaguchi involved, uh, you have my attention, Apple Arcade. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pathless is that on a Perna game they've showed before. Uh, it looks really cool, really, really beautiful. Um, Team Sonic Racing. Mm-hmm. So you have some established series there. Um, did you guys ever play Oceanhorn, like the original Oceanhorn? Yeah. So Oceanhorn 2, the sequel, Knights of the Lost Realm, is going to be included in here as well. And Michael, you already mentioned Sayonara Wild Hearts, which looks like a a music video runner game. Like they, they call it a pop mm. album video game. The developer does. Yeah, but it, it made a huge splash, uh, showing on the switch. I think earlier last this year or, uh, late yeah. last year. Yeah. 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 It's, it's stylish as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, next game on here. So Konami is back with more Frogger, baby. We got oh, Frogger in yes. toy town, which just looks like an upgraded <laughs> as we hear Heidi yawn. <laughs> How you doing? Heidi? <laughs> Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> All right. So I can tell you're thrilled about the prospect mm-hmm. of more Frogger. Oh, man, Frogger. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Well, here's one that Frogger might throw almost you. traumatized me to the point where I didn't want to play video games ever again. Really? How's that? It was one of the first arcade games I saw when I was like five, and I was just really distressed by this poor little frog getting run over yeah. by cars. They showed like a splatted frog on the ground, man. It was, it was yeah. messed up. Yeah, it was not cool. And then, of course, you know, the whole George Costanza incident. Oh, man, awful. <laughs> to see an arcade machine like that get smashed to bits. Uh, okay, well, these, we got some more exciting announcements. We were just talking about Dreamcast and just talking about Ooh. online games. And what was one of the most famous, one of the first online games on the Dreamcast? Ah, uh, yes. Choo Choo Rocket. Yeah. And so Choo Choo Universe, uh, it basically, to me, it's like Choo Choo Rocket, but it looked like Choo Choo Rocket meets Captain Toad. Like the, the levels, the perspective of the level looked mm-hmm. a lot like Captain Toad. Uh, and so Choo Choo Rocket, if you never played it, was sort of this puzzle game where you were trying yeah. to like get mice. You, you laid down tiles. Yeah. It was a bit lemmings-ish in that yeah. like mice would just kind of go in one direction and you'd lay down little tiles on the ground to make them switch directions and guide them into rockets so that they could escape the cats. But they were really fast. Like Whereas yeah. lemmings kind of go slow. The, the, the mice in Choo Choo Rocket are mm-hmm. hauling ass. Um, this was also another good one. So Spider Source is a new action game coming from way forward. It uh, looks like an original thing uh, from way forward, but has their kind of signature cartoon-like style, at least in the art they showed. Um, and then they're also bringing Shantae and the Seven Sirens is coming Ooh. to the service. Yeah, so a couple way forward things. Uh, there is one listener I know this will interest in particular. The next announcement, Exit the Gungeon is a uh, roguelike yes. bullet hell dungeon climber, they're calling it. Um, so Dave Rudden, there you go. You're the, the huge fan of Enter the Gungeon. Now we get Exit the Gungeon. This one takes place from a side perspective. as a side-on view, whereas Enter the Gungeon mm. was kind of that top-down. Uh, but it does take place in the same universe, kind of has that signature look, signature sense of humor. Like, Enter the Gungeon had some really funny little things in it. So, yeah, man, uh, that looked interesting. 
Pac-Man Party Royale is a four-player battle royal game with of, of Pac-Man, where it's like kind of you try to eliminate and be the last standing Pac-Man on the board. Uh, Rayman Mini, which they didn't confirm was a runner, but the other Rayman mobile games have all been runners, and so I'm assuming this is that, where Rayman's been shrunk down, and he's like jumping around, and basically it's Honey, I Shrunk the Rayman. And then Various Daylife, this is... <laughs> What the fuck? The name of this game, Various Daylife. Various A-Life? What? Various Daylife. This is the team at Square uh, behind Bravely Default and Octopath Traveler. Who is making these names up for this team? (laughs) Just like, let's put two random words together. Hmm. Uh, Octopath Traveler. Perfect. Uh, Various Daylife. Even better. Um, And then there is a Steven Universe Unleash the Light RPG. And last but not least, from Zen Studios, the same people that we were just talking about, the Star Wars collection, they have a game called Dread Nautical. So, yeah, that that's it for um, Apple Arcade. So $5 a month, we now know, and you get access to a whole lot of games that, um, I mean, the way they're talking about it, they're like, we look to redefine gaming. And these are all supposed to be like bespoke experiences you can, in many ways, only get on an iOS device. So for me, like some of my favorite I- iPhone games are like the indies. If you like those types of games, that looks to be like kind of what they're going after for this service. So it looks really cool to me. Um, but if you, you know, if you want to explore a different streaming service, EA, uh, they had previously announced Project Atlas. They are going into a technical test that really no one asked for. Uh, it, it's the the tech test is coming. It's only going to include four games: um, FIFA 19, Titanfall 2, Need for Speed Rivals, and Unravel. Um, which I, it kind of makes sense. They have a kind of you know all four different types of games there so it looks like they are really trying to test like how this infrastructure can hold up and mm-hmm. if all of these would be viable no details on pricing of the final plan yet but so it look does look like the ea streaming service is coming sooner rather than later if they're already in the tech test phase mm-hmm. so if i was a betting man i would i would probably guess either right around the end of the year or maybe even early next year if they're doing tech tests but who knows it depends mm-hmm. i guess it, it all depends on how that goes Michael, Nintendo is back on their fitness shit again. What fitness shit is this? Uh, so we don't exactly know. Well, as of the time you're listening to this, you'll know more than us because there's details that they're announcing September 12th. Um, but they have shown a trailer. And that trailer does include this weird plastic ring device that hmm. they just showed people trying to bend it and flex it and like shake it. Um, there's also like a strap. Were they you... also trying to bop it? Yes, they were. And uh, flip it. Bop okay. it. Flip yeah. it. Dip nice. it. Trip it. They also showed you can strap a Joy-Con to your leg, which looks like it kind of uses the motion stuff to figure out if you're running. And the I don't weird... need a fitness game to do that. Well, the weirdest part about this trailer is it was people were watching each other work out and like cheering each other on. Mm-hmm. And who does that? Nobody. Honestly, Nobody. it was weird. It's yeah. uh, it's awkward. Like if I'm working out, I'm sweaty. I'm by myself. I'm listening to podcasts. Usually mm-hmm. laser time podcast. Uh, People are watching me. I'm nervous. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So uh, you'll know a lot more about that, but it is weird to see Nintendo go back after. I mean, Wii Fit was huge. So, all right. They got this new thing. Now. Sure. Uh, sort of related news. And this could be, this could be directly related. Nintendo filed a new patent um, for bendable joy cons. Uh, and they'd previously uh, filed yeah. this patent in Japan, and now this is, I think, here. I mean, you know, don't read too much into that, because there have been lots of weird patents filed over the years yeah. that haven't gone Are anywhere. Are they but... really bendable? They look more like they're angled it, from the well, pictures there, I like saw. I thought hinge. it was like a hinge. There's yeah. a hinge in the middle that you can bend it, and it, it basically... It just looks like a more ergonomic way to hold the controller. You know, if you think of like, if you look at your PS4 controller, your Xbox controller, there's, there's some natural curve in there from where your your 
hands are gripping the thing and where your thumbs are that the Joy-Cons don't have. It's just a flat piece of plastic. Mm -hmm. And so my... I don't know about you guys, but yeah, I, my wrists and hands will eventually start to hurt if I'm just playing on those – if I'm not using my pro controller and like right, playing yeah. on the unit itself. So yeah. this could either be a way to solve that or this could be related to that ring thing you know, because you're mm -hmm. bending it and the Joy-Cons are they, – they're on board in that it's thing. It's a so. ring thing. It's, it's a swing wing. thing. <laughs> so it uh, could be related. Who knows? But this is Nintendo doing what Nintendo does, which is weird hardware stuff. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of hardware – Michael, what do you call the button? On it's the X button, Matt. Thank you. It's an X God button. God damn you. Well, not according to the official Sony mm. PlayStation UK account, yeah. I will point yep. out. Yep. Uh, they can, they, they, so PlayStation UK account tweeted out, triangle, circle, cross, square. Uh, if cross is called X, it's not, they said. Then what are you calling circle? We call it circle. Yeah. We get, they're all shapes. Yeah. But if it was a cross, X is what we call that shape here in America. I w I would turn if that shape was turned like forty five degrees, uh -huh. then that that is yes, what I would call yes. a cross. That is an X. Uh, here's what I'm going to attribute it to. You know how like in the UK you call it aluminium instead of aluminum, mm -hmm. and you have vitamins instead of vitamins. Yes, this is that. You UK weirdos, you can keep calling it cross all you want. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call it. You know what? Actually, here's what I'm going to call it. Go ahead and click that link there, Michael. This is my official response. What we call this thing around these parts. It is the X going to give it to you button, not the cross. Get out of here. Frightfully amusing. Yes, Whatever PlayStation you. UK. <laughs> um, well, you're talking amusing, Michael. I am talking amusing. Here is... A game that might amuse you. Might it. Have you ever wanted to date the Colonel? Have I? No. <laughs> you have not? No. Heidi, have you ever wanted to date the Colonel? No. Well, it's good that you have not. You because know, I, I take it back, but not Colonel Sanders. Just the Colonel. Right. From Metal Gear. I would Gear. like to, to date the General from Kaiser Knuckle. <laughs> well, it's too bad because KFC is here with an all-new game that is going to be free. It better be free on September 24th. I believe it is. It's an ad for game. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is a dating sim where you're, the goal is to date the Colonel. Um, it follows your journey as a promising young student through University of Cooking School Academy for Learning as you navigate relationships, social challenges, and the fast-paced life in the kitchen can bring Oh man, it features nine lovable characters, multiple hours of playthrough, dateable Colonel Sanders, a secret ending, shh, secret recipes, double shh, cooking battles, battle battles, earn a degree from a fictional culinary school, 11 herbs and spices, that is listed as a feature, cute mini food, and it is officially created by KFC. And the developer is called PSYOP, which tells you all you need to know. <laughs> I am just glad someone's finally here to give Sneak King a run for its money uh, maybe. as the default mm -hmm. fast food advert game. I mean, after we did hey. like the the top five like <laughs> gaming, uh, what was it we did with the Dream the, Daddies? The, uh, Dream da we we did like a thing about dating uh, simulators that were like based on popular games. Oh, and, okay, and and that oh, just right. seems to be like the. Yeah, we can crank this out. So uh... to me, to me, this looks like if you played Dream Daddy, like even mm. the art style. Like, I'm sorry, uh, it, that it kernel... looks like a top flight production. But that, it's still that kernel an is a game. snack, man. That is a good looking kernel. <laughs> no pun intended. It's too young and hot to be the kernel. The real kernel was like the the Texan on The Simpsons, who's always shooting his guns. In the air. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, you yeah. heard that story then, how he did yes. actually. Yes. <laughs> he, he shot a man for, uh, <laughs> for defacing one of his signs. Yeah. Uh, and then final bit of news. Um, there's a new Resident Evil game. Uh, announced where they revealed some details earlier this week at Tokyo Game Show. Uh, this is called Project Resistance, and it looks like it's a multiplayer, four-player co-op game that kind of plays like Left 4 Dead, or actually, it's more like a it plays more like Friday the Thirteenth or or Evolve. Where what, huh. what were you called? It's not asynchronous multiplayer, uh, asymmetrical, asymmetrical uh, multiplayer game where yeah, one of the people is going to be playing Mr. Cross. <laughs> I got see you. what you did there. Uh-huh. Oh dear, <laughs> Mr. Jericho Cross, the vampire, <laughs> and cowboy then, vampires in the old west. And then the others are not like your Valentines or, or anything like that. They're just kind of no name people in the Resident Evil universe. I, I'm guessing you're going to be able to to unlock some signature Resident Evil heroes to, mm-hmm. to play there. But uh, they showed a trailer, and the trailer's awesome because it ends with basically like cybernetic Mr. X like he, he has these like robotic hands that like light up and it's like oh shit yeah yeah as if as if he needed to get more dangerous yeah, it's good that like they let that. like is that when he takes a step in his LA gears they light up <laughs> sorry and then he has he has the roll the rollers on the bottom of his shoes uh-huh. yeah, as he comes yeah, after he's you. got his heelys <laughs> so yeah um it's so basically it's a 4v1 asymmetrical pvp game uh, four players going to work together to escape escape the clutches of a player controlled. They're calling it Mastermind. Mm. Um, there's a closed beta that's going to happen in early October. Uh, yeah, and it's so it's a spinoff. It takes place on the outskirts of Raccoon City, uh, similar to games like Friday the Thirteenth or Dead by Daylight. The four survivors are controlled by players. They have to work together to escape. There's three levels. Um, you're going to overcome zombies, traps, and then the fifth player playing the Mastermind. So there you go. Uh, yeah, the clo- closed beta is October 4th through 7th, and you can sign up uh, between September 12th and 19th, so hurry up and get to that, on the official website. So, yeah, new Resident Evil. Do the engine, that, that engine is awesome. Like, that, that, basically, it's the Resident Evil 2 remake engine. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so the game looks beautiful. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested in that, uh, go check it out. But, Michael, that has been all the news that is fit to play. Well, then, it's time to move on to our community segment, which, as always... Is segmenting our community. Uh, last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was what's a classic game that's never been re-released, but that you'd like to see get a second chance? Uh, Heidi, since you weren't here last week, is there is there a classic game you'd like to see get a second chance? <laughs> I'm sure there's oh many. There, There is many. Let me tell you uh, about Fighting Vipers 2. Uh, you got about five hours? <laughs> uh, I got five minutes. <laughs> Okay, Fighting Vipers 2 it is, then. Yeah, yeah, yes. Fighting Vipers 2 is... I think I... I can't remember if I got to play that ever, but it looks awesome. But, yeah, okay, so uh, Laser Time Rules was the first to answer on com, saying two games that have never been re-released that deserve second chances are Hotel Dusk and its sequel, Last Window. I know it'd be virtually impossible, since Sing is all but gone... I guess that's the developer, but not re-releasing them was a lost opportunity, especially with the late 2010s mini-boom of visual novels-slash-adventure games. A 3DS remake of both would have been nice. Yep. Guess what? You can play them on 3DS, because it's backwards compatible. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, man. But let's see that come to Steam, man. Yeah, Hotel Dusk was such a unique game at the time. Mm. I just kind of went in assuming it was an Ace Attorney-like. And yeah, there were some 
common elements between those games, but uh, it, it blew my socks off. So, yeah, I would not mind seeing an update to that. The New Male Booty says, uh, I would hope that you guys consider this game a classic, but Simpsons Hit and Run needs to make a comeback. Yes, yes. that is absolutely considered a classic mm-hmm. in these parts. Uh, yeah, it was basically a GTA clone with the Simpsons skins, but what is wrong with that? This needs to happen. Imagine it on Switch. Mwah! Chef's fingers. Uh, cannot argue with you there. That is a really fun game. Uh, Trick the TM says, partially inspired by his presence as a Mii Fighter costume, Mystical Ninja starring Goemon from N64. I figured the main issue for it being ported was issues taking the N64 memory card into, into account. I know it was overshadowed by Ocarina of Time a few months later, but it's still a fun game. Can attest to, yes. And has some, some really fun songs, yeah. which you wouldn't yeah. expect. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, from the official LaserTime Facebook community, Andrew Giacchetti says, Since they're doing it with Aladdin and Lion King, I'd love to see a collection of all those god-awful Sega Genesis licensed Looney Tunes games. They were awful and so hard, but I rented them constantly from Blockbuster as a kid because I loved Looney Tunes so much. I remember Taz and Escape from Mars being somewhat good, but it's been over 20 years since I last played it, so I'm almost certain I'm mistaking. Honestly, a double pack of Taz and Escape from Mars and Bugs Bunny and Double Trouble would be perfect. Would it, though? Mike Eaton says, with Control being the hot new game, I'd like to see Second Sight get a re-release. It got Impacto Profundoed. I have no idea what that is. (laughs) When it was first released because it got overshadowed by PsyOps, the MindGate Conspiracy. Second Sight is also a really fun cover shooter in which your character can use various Psy powers. It also has an extremely clever twist at the end which recontextualizes the whole game. It's on GOG and Steam, I think. But yeah, let's bring it back. So, Impacto Profundo is a reference to the Spanish name for Deep Impact. And what he's saying there is it basically got overshadowed, like much like Deep Impact uh, was overshadowed by Armageddon, the movie. Uh, I see. I see. So this, yes, uh, <laughs> Second Sight it was was overshadowed by Psyops, the Mindgate Conspiracy, because mm. similar premise, and one is considered the better thing. Nice. Okay, makes sense. Uh, finally, Conniption Fit says uh, Way Forward gave me the answer to this week's question of the week. I would love to see Batman the Brave and the Bold, the video game, on current systems. A very underappreciated version of Batman, too. Yes, it's my favorite Batman game with two colons in the title. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I remember hearing it was really good and just never getting around to grabbing it because it was exclusive to Wii. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's also an underappreciated uh, show. Like, Wasn't that the one where they had like Neil Patrick Harris on as a new character called the Music Meister? Who just basically trapped all the characters into a musical. That would sound about right. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, we have some video responses, starting with Redrock963. Hey, VGA, it's Redrock963 and my partner in crime, Murray, talking about games locked on consoles. Um, the Sega Saturn is the first thing that comes to mind because there's so many good games on that console and none of them have ever been ported or re-released. Um... Panzer Dragoon Trilogy, Shining the Shining Force games, uh, Shining the Holy Ark, Shining Wisdom, th- Three Dwar- Dirty Dwarves, um, so, so many good games. Oh, Dragon Force is one. Yes, Dragon Force. Um, yeah, and what sucks is that so many of those games are just ungodly expensive now, so you can't even play them even if you want to. So my pipe dream is to have anything from the Saturn be ported. Now, luckily, we've got Panzer Dragoon coming soon. 
Um, I'm hoping that one does well so that we'll get Panzer Dragoon 2 and hopefully Saga so that I can finally play that game that's, from what I heard, a masterpiece. And while I'm holding out hope, I really want the all three scenarios of Shining Force 3, but yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. Neither, oh, yeah. neither is Murray. Mm. Anyway, I shall check you guys later. Have an excellent weekend. Thanks, Red Rock. She has a really formidable collection of plushies right behind her. <laughs> formidable and plushies yes. were two mm-hmm. words I, I'm not used to hearing at the same time. Well, there's like a companion cube and what may or may not be a chow. Uh, mm. We also have uh, Maximilian X. Hey there, VGA crew. Maximilian X here from Game Rivals. Um... My answer to this week's question of the week would have to be Brave Fencer Musashi. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, PlayStation 1 classic. It's an action JRPG. Um, you guys have talked about it before, um, but I have to reiterate that Brave Fencer Musashi needs a re-release. Let's go back to the old Yuganine Palace. <laughs> it is awesome. They have awesome music, and I just want to whack on some weirdos. Um, yeah, it's a, it's just a fun JRPG, which is unfortunate because the only real legacy that it has is I think that it had the demo for Final Fantasy VIII, I think. Mm-hmm. Sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, something like that. It had a demo for Final Fantasy or some other Square Enix title. Um, I don't remember. To me, Brave Fencer Musashi lives and dies by its own merits. And that's why I feel that that needs a proper HD re-release. Pretty up the graphics, keep the same voice acting because that is gold, and uh, I'll pay for it. Legit. So uh, once again, this is Maximilian X from Game Rivals, signing off. Have a good one, guys. Yep. yep. Confirmed it was Final Fantasy VIII. The yeah. trial version came on that. We ever done a top five about uh, games that were sold by their demo discs? I feel mm. like we've talked about it at least. And finally, Mighty Number no. B says... Mighty Number no. B here to answer the question of the week, which was the game that's stuck on an old platform you'd love to see come back. And for me, the first game that popped in my head was the game that I spent months and months and months spending doing chores around the house as a little kid earning, I think it was like 20 bucks a week. Uh, but saving all that money uh, to get PlayStation 1 and two games. Uh, the first game I got was Descent, which was garbage. So <laughs> not don't want that one coming back and stay where it is in the ground. But the game that I want to see come back is Jumping Flash. Uh, I remember buying... We're getting the call from my mom saying that PlayStations were on sale at KB Toys in the mall and that she wanted to pick that up for me since I had earned enough money for that plus two games. So she got me those two games and I played the living hell out of Jumping Flash 2. It was such a great game. The music was so awesome. Probably should be picking that up on my Vita one of these days then. But I would love to see it come back. Uh, in a modern spin, that'd be great. Better graphics, remastered, whatever. I'll take it. Uh, but I'll see you guys later. You you weren't uh, bursting down the door to get when it came out on the PlayStation Classic? Yeah, which is what, like 20 bucks now, finally? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. That's about what's worth. <laughs> uh, that poor thing, every time they 
I'd see people tweet about a price drop that just like all the the replies were just like, you know, uh, Mel Gibson and Braveheart going hold. Uh, yes, it's uh, not a lot of love for that system out there. Um, I do apologize. There were a couple other video responses uh, submitted via Facebook, but I couldn't open those files up. So what I'd recommend, the best way to get us video comments is um, if you could upload it as a YouTube video. Feel free. You can do a private thing and just share the link with us if you don't want people seeing it out there other than us. Um, but yeah, YouTube link, if you're going to comment that way, that's one good way. Or uh, Twitter is another good way to submit those video responses. But for some reason, Facebook just not as cooperative. So I do apologize. We'll get you guys next week. All right. In other words, Matt can't use Facebook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you kids are Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so new question of the week. Um, this is one that we've done before. Uh, but it was I was reminded of it today. I uh, had a text conversation with a friend of the show, Brett Elston, who uh, pinged me out of the blue to ask, uh, what was the jingle you'd sing in Mario 3? And it took me a second to realize what he was asking was, uh, what was the words you made up for the Hammer Brothers theme in uh, Super Mario Brothers 3? Which, uh, those of you who listen to... I think we did this originally on our old show, Talk Radar, and uh, we may have done it on this show since then, but uh, Hammer Brothers theme, here we go. Ever want your rolling suit dance? Do do do. Uh huh. Ever want your rolling suit dance? Do do do. Uh huh. Did you ever want your rolling Ever want your. Did you ever want your rolling suit dance? Do 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 do. And. That is asinine. <laughs> but when you're a kid hearing repetitive loops of music Capital. that are very catchy mm. over and over and over again, if you're anything like me, your brain will just start filling in random words for lyrics. So I thought it might be fun to bring back the que- as the question of the week, what is a piece of game music that you've made up lyrics for? Mm. Um, Matt, you sent me... Uh, yeah, mine's actually famous. I've recorded this. Oh, have you? Uh, this is internationally renowned. This is me singing to one of my favorite pieces of game music. Michael, proceed. Here we go. You used to call me on my... You used to, you used to... Yeah. You used to call me on my cell phone. Ain't night when you need me. <laughs> it's absolutely me, right? Yeah, no, yeah. so that was, of course, the uh, the mashup of yes. Hotline Bling mm-hmm. with the Wii Shop music, which actually I think the song, the original song, does sample. I, I don't think it does. It's sound. There's some elements in there, but um, no. Uh, but my real answer is sort of related to this. So even though they don't really do it anymore, and it's something I miss. I would always just make up random lyrics to Nintendo menu music. Uh, specifically, mm. the Wii Shop theme is a good one, you know. Or, yeah. And usually I'm there, I'm excited because I'm buying something, right? Sure. So it'd be like, you know, now's the time I'm about to buy. About to purchase and get a game. It's going to be awesome. And it's just sure. bullshit lyrics. So mm-hmm. I, but I, I actually do this with lots of game songs. So um, I do have another confession to make. Uh, so in addition to making up lyrics to game things, in my head, every time you hear that VGA theme song, mm-hmm. I have it playing to 
like an 80s sitcom intro of all the various hosts like poking our heads out from our room or like turning around like, oh, you caught me. I'm buying ice creams right now. What are you doing, you crazy sap? Too many cooks. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, every time you hear that VGA theme, just know that in Matt's Uh headcanon, there is an 80s sitcom intro featuring all of the hosts. Oh. How nice! Yes, hmm. yes. But we'll uh, film it someday. But yes, so so. Uh, but yes, my answer is Nintendo uh, menu music. Is I constantly make up lyrics to those songs. All right, um, Heidi, did you have one? Honestly, I can say this is something I never really did because one of the things I liked about video game music is mm. that it didn't have lyrics getting into the mm. in the way. Mm. I could enjoy the melody, and I didn't have, you know, it was just the pure melody. I could enjoy that. And I honestly liked music without lyrics. What? More. Do you like listening really? to like classical wait, music? Wait, wait, are you into jazz? <laughs> Not really. I like stuff with I the things about video game music I liked were no lyrics and strong melody. Hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. That's a nice answer, Heidi, mm-hmm. but it's wrong. <laughs> Your answer oh. is actually uh, the you made up lyrics that were incorporated in the moon theme from DuckTales, which we have a little bit of here. Michael, oh, OK. Which actually comes from the show. They finally they went back for the new DuckTales show uh-huh. and added lyrics. I think we've listened to it on the show before, but it's so beautiful. It's a great way to kind of close uh, yes. our show. Why not? Let's hear it. Let me try something. I used to sing this old song to my boys before they hatched. Look to the stars, my darling baby boys Life is strange and vast Filled with wonders and joys Face each new sun with eyes clear and true Unafraid of the unknown Because I'll face it always And I'm gonna go and jump on some stuff with my cane pogo stick. <laughs> it, it was always so weird that that level just had that like really beautiful song, and it was just like Wait. sure. Uh, so actually, you know, he couldn't be here to record with us, so that was Chris's official answer. Oh. Is, is he wrote those lyrics? Yeah, actually, you know, when Maybe. he worked at Capcom, and he gave them the lyrics, <laughs> and they never used them, mm-hmm. and then the showrunners got a hold of those lyrics, and this is all complete bullshit. I completely made yeah, that up, yeah, but that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I had a really good one uh, that actually originally inspired me to to bring this back but i forgot what it was in the meantime so instead i'm gonna bring up this uh this weird castlevania track and share with you the lyrics that i came up with it as a uh dirtbag 12 year old fish man Crawling, swimming, biting, jumping, spitting, fucking fish man all over the place. <laughs> and here we go. We're the fish man, we're gonna kick your ass. We're the fish man, we're gonna kick your ass. We're the fish man, fucking fish man, yeah! Happy to be with you. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like the kind of song. First of all, thank you. Thank you for that. These lyrics carried down through the years. Thank you for that gift. (laughs) 
That sounds to me like the kind of song someone makes up when they're super frustrated with a level that mm-hmm. keeps killing them. Yeah, so that that level, if if uh, if you recognize it from Castlevania, um, the 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 track is walking on the edge, but the level is you fall down a hole and there's fucking fishmen everywhere, and they are constantly jumping up and knocking you off moving platforms, and it's probably the second most frustrating level after the Medusa heads and. In, like, level two or three, whatever that is. Anyway. That was great. It was amazing. Yeah, so... I was trying to figure out how to come in there and harmonize with you. I just uh, couldn't, couldn't figure out. No, nah, no. Nah, it's... You, you can't Fish when someone's just... man! <laughs> making up lyrics from when they were a kid. Anyway, we've bared our souls for you. It's your turn to do the same. What is a piece of game music that you came up with lyrics for? You can sing them if you want, or Video just... Video responses encouraged. Or, or just write them down and give us a YouTube link, <laughs> and we will sing them for you. Excuse me? Yes, we will. You did not talk uh, to me about this You before. love to sing shit on this show. Come That's on. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, shit on this show. <laughs> That's yeah. my favorite tune. Shit on this show. It's something we do a lot. Uh, anyway... Um, so yes, go to vidjagamepocalypse.com and post your comments under the article for episode 333 or hit us up on Twitter at VG Apocalypse. Great place for video responses, by the way, or visit the official laser time community on Facebook and there'll be somewhere where you can post it there. Uh, anyway, that's been our show. Heidi, where can people see your stuff? Well, I do the weekly column for Anime News Network, This Week hmm. in Games. And I am also uh, putting up a few things on Gaming.moe very, very soon. Um, writing a few articles about uh, current gaming trends that I I find rather distressing. I'll just leave it at that. Hmm. Oh, okay. Trends in games or with gamers themselves? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay, right. okay. Wait, wait, you write a weekly column? Well, as yeah. 80s and 90s sitcoms taught us, you must live in an extravagant house and have a huge family <laughs> that you York can City. support. Yes. Yeah. No, I live in Portland. Wow. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I've, I've always been curious, where does the background on Gaming.moe come from? Because it's really cool. Like, you've got Magical Drop characters and that girl from Monster World 4. Oh, uh, a few friends of mine actually drew that. Uh one of them is a uh, persona who worked on the Scott Pilgrim game and works really? at the Lab Zero on Skullgirls and Indivisible. Nice. Oh wow, that's awesome. Uh, so anyway, Matt, Patreon, etc. Yes, patreon.com uh, slash laser time is a website you can go to to help support this show. Uh, for just $5 a month, you can get access to bonus time, the weekly Patreon exclusive show, as well as uh, movie commentaries, special access to special content, including Patreon exclusive episodes of Cheap Podcast, the Laser Time Network's unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling hosted by myself along with friend of the show tl foster where we actually just released a free episode where we reviewed uh, aew's all-out show as well as nxt takeover uk cardiff boy that is a mouthful so yeah check that out at cheap podcast on twitter and then follow me i am at maddie c allen on twitter nice well, as always, you can hit us up at vidgamapocalypse.com. Be sure to check out Heidi's review of, was AI what? What was the name? AI, the Somnium Files. On GameSpot.com. 
And yeah. yeah. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or me personally at Wikiparas. That's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Woo! Here we go. There's an ad on it. Of course, I have to monetize this. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs>